Hey, onesies, Josh Williams here with another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast for you. And this week I sit down with my buddy, Ethimios Nasiopoulos, and we, we discuss all sorts of different things. He's, he's a guy who I've known for a long time and we only became friends, I guess, after working together for a week and getting to actually hang out and as opposed to just exchanging, you know, collegial, collegial collegiate. I don't know how they say, how you say it, but, 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 you know, basically just being colleagues, we worked together for a week, we hung out and uh, we've been, we've been good buddies ever since. And so I was really looking forward to uh, working with him this week. And of course we sat down here at the condo and recorded an episode and we talked about all sorts of different things about how he got started and stand up, how he has been twice engaged, but never made it to the altar. We, you know, he talks about the ups and downs and stand up and the things he's been through. He's even in school currently studying philosophy and we get into that too. It's, it's a fun episode. It was nice. Very like whenever we just chat in general, it's very like organic and, and you know, natural and genuine. It's just fun to shoot the shit. And, uh, and you guys are going to get a sense of this in this episode. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited for you to have an opportunity to, uh, to meet and get to know him as well. So I really hope that you guys enjoy my episode with Ephthimios Nasiopoulos. Yeah. Executive, executive Costco membership. You've been right. Yeah, been my before? parents used to go. With, I, I made my four. I should. I just never got a. I had a Costco membership when I was younger, mm-hmm. and I bought a TV with a built-in VHS. I remember those. I used to sell those when I worked at Future Shop. Yeah, it was like this fifteen or sixteen-inch like little mini TV. I just had in my bedroom <laughs> with the built-in VHS. That's how old. Did you ever? Do you remember ever using the built-in VHS? I use it all the time. Even now? Oh, no, now, no, now it's garbage, but <laughs> those seem, I can't imagine, <laughs> my friend talked, was it a built-in VHS or built-in DVD? It was. They used my, to have combinations with okay. both. Yeah. Yeah, it was a full winner. I had both. You have Now it's like everything is digital. I, I can't imagine you need hardware for anything. I don't remember last time I put a DVD. Can you buy DVDs still? Oh, yeah. But they're like in a bin, a dirty bin at Walmart or whatever, like just collecting dust. Yeah. The Blu-ray, like you say, with the Blu-rays, Blu-rays were great, but, you know, and then there was like Ultimate Blu-rays or something like that, or 4, 4K, that was the one. Black cases. I remember like, Laserdisc, those are massive, they're like big records. Yeah, that was pre-DVD. Pre-DVD. Pre-DVD, so it was like, oh, it's it's not a VHS, it's this Laserdisc. And Terminator, I think Terminator 2 is a movie that was around that time, it's yeah. early 90s. I, my, my, I had a friend who's, whose dad, I guess, was well-to-do in tech in Ottawa, and and he had a laser disc player. So again, I'm watching him take out this record and put it into a, a thing. I'm like, what the fuck is that? But we watched. Uh, I remember watching True Lies at his house on on laser disc. Oh, it's a great movie. <laughs> we'll but he had like he had a big screen TV in the home theaters, like like one of those rear projection yep. big screens with those big ass floor units or whatever. So even though it was like laser disc, it probably didn't look great because those big screen TVs were more about the size than the clarity. Yeah, they're like all pixelated. My dad had bought one, and they were massively, and they're heavy. Yep. And yeah, it's like rolling around a double-decker coffee table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just trying to move that thing around. But I mean, it was a it was a statement of your of your wealth, right? If you had a big screen TV twenty five years ago, right? Everyone's like, whoa, yeah, big screen, massive. And then DVD players come out. I had one on my computer, so I would watch shit on my twenty seven inch Sony Veo computer monitor. And it was, I was like, some of the early ones I watched was like the one with Ben Affleck and Charlize Theron, Gary Sinise. 
Reindeer Games. That's what it was called. Oh my god, what an awful movie! It was, but it looked so clear on my DVD player on my computer. I was like, oh, this is DVD. Like if you watch a VHS now, you're like, Jesus Christ, that that clarity is bad. Even DVDs kind of look not ideal. Yeah, and VHS had tracking where you would try and minimize the blurry lines. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you'd still watch it if it still had some blur in there. Of course. Of course. Everyone was watching scrambled porn, at least the males back then. Yeah, we're so we're so spoiled now. Yeah. The kids today, they just grab their phone and type <laughs> in whatever they're looking for and they've got it there. And decades of it. Decades of it. They got the full uh, everything, database of porn. Yep. at their fingertips. It's offensive now that they don't even like you know how some people get mad about music where it's like, you know, hey, you've never heard of this artist, whatever they blaze the trail. It's like it's like, what do you mean you don't know who fucking Tracy Lords and Jenna Jameson is? How do you not know Ron Jeremy? Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like the military and porn are uh, always ahead of the industry for technology and stuff. That's what <laughs> always trickles down from killing people and fucking people. Well, they're the only ones. Yeah. You have the people who are giving money to the military outwardly, mm-hmm. and then people who are giving to money to porn privately. Yeah. <laughs> no one will admit it, but these businesses are staying alive. If they weren't, Look how shitty mainstream movies are because they can't get money from them anymore. You know what I mean? Everyone's downloading shit. Right. You know, what was I talking about? I was chatting with somebody the other day about how just they, you know, they don't make money anymore. So, oh, when I went uh, on tour this summer, staying in a lot of hotel rooms, right? Just watching cable. Have you, have you watched TV? It's terrible. I hate it. Like commercials just drive me nuts. Commercials are the worst, but I've noticed that every channel. So like the channels I would gravitate to would be like MTV. (laughs) That was a weird sneeze. Yeah. It was like, it was like, (laughs) it just got, uh. Yeah, it was like a speed bump. MTV and Comedy Central. But the thing is, they play the same show all day long now because there isn't like tons of advertising revenue because nobody's watching TV. They're all on streaming services, right? Right. So like Comedy Central is like the office for like the first half of the day and then South Park the second half of the day. And maybe maybe there's like a two-hour period where they play like Parks and Rec. Really? But it's like, what what shows do we own so we don't have to buy shows from anybody? They're like, all right, let's play those. MTV was like Catfish and Ridiculousness mm-hmm. all day. That's it. Just uh, just half the day of one show, we're just one after the other. And then the second half of the day is, you know, Tosh.0 ripoff. It's brutal. But then there's so many streaming services now. Like You can't even have too many of them. Otherwise, you're going to be paying more than... Than cable. Yeah, well, than cable. That was the whole thing, right? Like cable's dead because of streaming, but now there's like... Like yeah. if you have Prime, Crave, Netflix in the States, you you probably have Hulu or HBO Plus or something. And then so you're, now you're paying 50 bucks anyway. I'm already up to like probably 100 bucks. Like I remember my cable bill was like 100 bucks to have all the good stuff. But I pay 20 for Crave. So Crave, Netflix, Prime, Paramount Plus, Discovery Plus, Shudder for the scary shit like yeah there's there's a lot of them i pay for even uh, premium youtube so i don't have to commercials drive me crazy do you know what i mean like like it used to be that you would watch you know watch one 30 second ad skip the second one before your video and then you got to watch the video and that was it now they interrupt right. the video every five minutes and you're like this is outrageous i only have prime only yeah yeah what do you I watch think I, must, I think i might have apple tv or something like that i might have that yeah, but Apple TV I have I have as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But it's part of like the yeah, yeah so it's there a you part go, of a larger one. package. So yeah. Well that was so, a good that was a good way to get us kicked off into this. We just fade into this Costco discussion <laughs> into porn right away. I love it. So uh, yeah, I'm a little I, I I can hear myself sniffling. I might have to grab some Kleenex or something to masturbate into <laughs> talking about porn. 
I always ask my guests for starters. Thank you for, for sitting down and shooting the shit with me. But Did I, you write that down, the thank you part? Like, thank yeah, you I always have to write. I have to <laughs> make little notes to be courteous because I'm a giant piece of garbage. But <laughs> I always ask my guests. So they, I don't even really tell you much about them. Like, want a podcast? You're like, sure. So the episode is about you. So anyone who's unfamiliar with you, you know, would be able to like, oh, okay, sounds like a nice guy. I like his story, whatever. But I always ask, who were you before you started stand-up? So pre-stand-up comedy, who were you? What did you do? What was your thing? I was I was in high school. Like I started when you I was started eight, early. I started when I was eighteen. Oh, okay. I was okay. in my last year of uh last year of high school, and then I I just I did an amateur night at Yuck Yucks. So before I was nothing. I was just like a sniveling, entitled adolescent. <laughs> okay. Were, <laughs> did you work any jobs, or were you just nope? I'm in school. Like eighteen, you would have been graduated from high school, right, or just graduating. Yeah, I think like well, when I was in high school, there was it was five years, right? We had OAC. OAC, yeah, yeah. So did you have OAC? Or? I did. I was my my yeah. class was the last year to have it. So I technically graduated in four years. I think I went back to play football. So I was eighteen, maybe even turning nineteen by the summer. So job wise, in high school, was I working? I was working summer jobs, like where my dad was. He was a plumber, so I would just help him out at his at the company he worked for, and I would just do that. But that was. Yeah, I don't think I think that was my first job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you a comedy fan? I up? like Chris Rock, Richard Pryor, and then like Andrew Dice Clay. You would smuggle in like you couldn't watch that in front of your parents. They couldn't even know you had it. Like it was the the worst. Right. So explicit, but like we would just huddle around like the. Well, even with like Richard Pryor was pretty explicit well, at times. Yeah. Too. So Delirious, I would say Andrew Dice Clay. I think was at Madison Square Gardens. Those are. I remember those vividly. And then Chris Rock's first big special that kind of blew him up. That was, those, those are the ones that kind of got me into comedy and some George Carlin, some Bill Hicks. Did you ever watch it on TV? Like, did you? Oh, the Tonight Show, you just watch everyone just do their like seven minutes. Right. And their TV clean, whatever, seven yeah. minutes. But you guys did watch the Tonight Show? Oh yeah. Okay. Cause I know comics were like, no, I, I got an album you know, and I just, that was my thing. I listened to the album or some of them were like, I just like to make my friends laugh. And I knew that you could do it. So yeah, I always find it fascinating is like, how did, how did the person get into it? You and know star, I mean? star search too. I think they used to have like these big competitions. I think Robin Williams was on that. Probably. Yeah. Tracy McDonald won that. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, Tracy. McD I was thinking Tracy, Tracy Morgan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Tracy, yeah. Same guy. Same, same guy actually. Yeah. But I also got like, so I went on a, I went on a first date to Yuck Yucks when I was at where Absolute is now. Yeah. And she was an actress and I'd never been live. I've never saw live comedy. I was, that was the first year I did it. I was like, it was Mike Bullard was hosting and he was like, he's a great host. So his crowd work was phenomenal. And then I forget, I know, I forget the comic that was headlining, but like he was, he was friends with Jim Carrey. He's a Canadian guy. Hmm. He had some scandal. Friends with Jim Carrey. Yeah, he was an older. I can't okay, you tell the story. I'm gonna. He did, I'm gonna, he I'm did gonna impressions, and I think he had like there was like some scandal around him. I think he did some like unquestionable things, but I can't remember 100. percent If it comes, if it comes to you, but yeah, like they were good friends because I guess they were both worked for Yuck Yucks. This would have been a long time ago. Oh man, right? this is. I've been well. I'm, I'm 44 now, so this is like over. This is. 26 years ago my god that's so long ago <laughs> what have i done why have i done this so then she we laughed we loved the show and then 
she tried an amateur night. And then I was like, oh, you can do that? And then so then... Oh, so she did it first. She did it first. And then I was like, oh, I didn't even know. It never even occurred to me you could just do that. And then so she kind of got me to go try it. And then I, I just never never looked back. I mean, I've had like some ins and outs. But like, yeah, that's... I was 18, yeah, first set over. How did it... Do you remember how the set went? I, I kind of cr- I crushed my first set. Did you? Good. Somehow, I don't <clears> know. <throat> my second set, I... So Yuck X would tape your sets, VHS. But... They had screens on the corners on amateur nights. So, like, if you bombed, they would just play a video of someone getting, like, the, uh, hit over the head with a shovel. This, imagine your first time ever. Right. And you bomb, and they, they have a bomb blowing up, like, on the screen just to make you feel like shit. And then, like, if you did well, like, some angels would come down. So, like. So, well, this is like an animation live on your existing, like, yeah, current. Like, live feed kind of thing yeah there's like two well, you, yeah there's like two little shitty screens in the top corners of uh of, of the sides of the stage if you went long they would do something darren frost i went long darren frost like took his shirt off and pretended he was a chicken and just kind of squawked his way to kind of like cut cut you from the mic it was this is weird this is on the tv it's darren frost no he just comes and walks on stage he walked on stage and like just to tell me to come out just because I'm going too long. It was this weird amateur night was a disaster, Yuck X. It was like a. It was it's like almost a like they throw the young guys under the bus to all just... the time. Or they would do like a God mic and be like, you're not funny. Get off the stage. Really? It so it doesn't brutal. even matter if you're like over your time. They'll just shit on you. Yeah, Sink or Swim. It was, it's called Sink or Swim Mondays. <laughs> so the second show, I sunk and I took the VHS cassette and I just threw in the trash. I'm like, oh, oh they give it to you there. Here you go. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck this. You have to bring a blank VHS cassette. <laughs> they don't even provide it to you. Buy a three pound cassette tape. God. <laughs> Not, that's a long, How long has it been since you've thought of that? <laughs> I haven't thought of that because this, I'm not going to sleep now thinking about that. I'm just walking around with this cassette tape. Bringing it there. It's in your pocket. You got to yeah. make sure it hasn't fallen out 15 times on your way to the club. Oh, it's just, okay. Didn't lose the tape. It's still yeah. There. Now comics are walking in. They, they have like <coughs> three cameras. They got mics, yeah. cameras facing the stage. And I just had this cassette tape. This cassette tape where they're going to fucking film you with a bomb going off in your face and oh, Darren God. Frost squawking his way on the stage. Yeah. So that was... That's got to be hilarious too, because you were you're a tall guy and he's not a tall yeah, guy. Yeah. So you got this little fucking yeah. hobbit come on stage and like squawk you off, and you're like, yeah. I could crush you. <laughs> I yeah. could crush you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funny thing too about about comedy too. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fat fuck on stage doing crowd work, talking to these people, and they're like embarrassed. I'm like, if we were in public. You were my social betters, like this this table of pretty people, and I'm mouthing up to you. Everyone's gonna go, "You're not allowed to do that. They're better than you." And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess because they put me up here, would give me a mic, I win." But <laughs> it's like Darren Frost squawking in front of you. <laughs> You're not funny. Like, dude, I'll, <laughs> you, like, I'll kill you. I'll throw you through a window. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I dare you to do that on the street. I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that dynamic works. Well, that's cool, man. Like I said, I, I'm always fascinated to know like who people were. Cause some people start late. I started when I was like 27. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I always loved, I always loved stand up. Like when I was a kid, my mom used to let us stay up late and watch like kids in the hall and, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So always loved stand up, loved Carlin and all that shit. So, yeah. so you got, for you, it was like the albums. Were you the class clown? I was a bit of a class clown. Yeah. yeah. I, would use, I mean, we used, I used humor to diffuse every, like I got out of a lot of trouble just from like, 
I was a good student, but like just in general, I feel if you had humor, you can just kind of dissuade people or like just send them off, like to distract them enough to forget what happened. Did you get into fights when you were young? Some fights, not a lot of fights, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I never. I think I got into one or two fights. Yeah, I got bullied for a bit too. So Did you? Yeah. I wasn't always like I, I was big, but then there was always like bigger kids. Right. Yeah. yeah, I was like not even the tallest kid, in, like in grade. In any of the grades, like until grade six or seven, but there's always like some giant. And he wanted to beat up the second biggest giant? Yeah, he was a year older than this kid, James. He just, yeah, he kicked the shit out of me. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't get a lot of lot of fights, but I got in a few. Yeah. 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 Now, like, now I just want to, like, go back and beat up all the bullies. <laughs> just with their, their three kids and their, <laughs> their wife. They, they don't their love Their dad anymore. bods. Yeah. <laughs> like you know they have They're osteoporosis from all the fucking super tall joints <laughs> yeah they don't just have an unlimited amount of time to think about these things we're planning revenge on my old bullies but <laughs> but then when you're a comic yeah it's just like i just invite them to the show and just destroy them yeah it's a fantasy This is great, guys. I, this is my hometown. I'm from Toronto. I've been living out west in Vancouver for the last five years, so it's good to be home. It's great, man. Yeah, it's more multicultural here. Uh, it's weird. They have a script in the back before they bring on the, they start the show. They're just like, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the headliners in the back of the room. And then it just said Greek name. They didn't even fucking, <laughs> they didn't even want to try. It just says Greek name. It's a tough name, man. I, I live in BC and you do a lot of these shows and where it's like all like, hicks with mullets and like they're not even they're not even ironic mullets they're like it's not cool they're just like yeah i've had this since i was a nine and it's just weird and i did this show and i sort of got on the poster it said if thymios nasiopoulos and in brackets underneath it said don't worry speaks english i don't even where the fuck am i where the fuck am i that they need to get but it's a weird name like my family they're very religious they're greek orthodox like they all have powerful greek names and religious names except for mine like, my dad's name is, is Elias, which in, in Hebrew means God. My dad's name is God. My mother's name is Maria, named after the Virgin Mary. My brother's name is Anastasios, which in Greek means the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Guys, Ephemios means good-natured. Where the fuck? I just got dropped off. They don't really... My brother's literally Jesus part two. I'm like, I like chips at parties. Let's have some fun. <laughs> Let's do this. When you, when you started... Do you remember how long? And I'm, I'm glad your story is like a lot of people because there's, you did well the first time. The second time you're like, fuck this, you're up. But you yeah. had that first time doing well to hang on to where like, I've listened to a lot of comics say like, imagine how many great comics we would have had if their first time had gone well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like maybe just their first time it didn't go well and they're like, ah, fuck, I don't need this and I'll, I'll never do it again. Whereas like your first time went well. So you, you had that feeling, even though you got squawked off stage the second time. Did it, did you take a long time before you went back again, or not too long? Like a, a friend of mine who'd come to my first show, actually, he was he was there on Friday, so he's been there since the beginning. He just like he's very supportive. Of my buddy George, he's just like, no, no, just just keep trying. And I didn't even know that there was other comedy clubs. I just thought there was Yuck Yuck. So there was this place called Comedy Wood that was up in north north uh, Toronto. So I went there. He made me play that VHS for my first set to a comic there. Okay. Because the show got canceled. So it was just like, hey, can you watch this guy's tape? And he's like, no, no, that's, that's funny. You know, just keep at it. And then now Magazine had a list of all these open mics. You know what's funny? Like, sometimes I think it works against me because I was good when I first started. Like, it just came easy to me. Okay. Whereas someone who did bomb the first 
thousand times and then just stuck it out like those guys just like have that work ethic where they just get better and i find that those guys just can quickly pass someone that just was good at comedy from the beginning it's hard to say because i know people who've bombed ten thousand times and it's like i think you're just wasting stage time at this point like there's those two yeah there's a like if you yeah i mean let let, what job is going to let you come and work ten thousand shifts and fail before they're like we're gonna have to let you go you know what I mean? We we believed in you, and we we we. I think it's fair to say we gave you enough chances. Yeah, some people won't. Yeah, they won't stop, and it's never going to happen. Yeah. yeah, and 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 the thing is, I would never tell one of those people, "Hey, you, you gotta you gotta stop," because I don't want someone to come up to me one day and say that if I'm having a tear of just shitty shows. But you would think someone would be self aware enough to go. For me, it's the when they're doing the same set, and it's always bombs. I'm like, listen, you have nothing to lose by writing something new. So just write something new. This stuff isn't working. Write something new. Yeah. But I, I I would say it's I feel like it's almost a double edged sword because you're right. Like the idea that you know you're you're not doing well, but you can keep going. I think some of it's delusion. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've talked to a lot of guys who got like ten people in a room of two hundred laughing. They're like, man, I killed it. And it's like, no, you. That's five percent of the room laughing. That is a colossal fail in any scholastic system. How how'd you do? I got five percent on this test. Killed it. <laughs> You know, to be like, no, you, you, you yeah. failed. But I think the, the, the flip side is like, you wouldn't want somebody who is self-aware of their very first time they fail. And they're like, I, that felt terrible. I'm never doing that again. You know what yeah, I mean? That was, like, that's the part that would scare me as someone who's got it, who didn't, I feel like the best stories, all the best stories were the ones who failed the first time or sorry, did well the first time and then failed the next five times. But they're like, but that first time, like, I know, I, I know I got them. Did you ever hear the story of Brian Regan's first time on stage? No. Dude, it was hilarious. He was like, it was in Florida. The reason he wanted to be a comic was that he was always sleeping in in school. So he was in college, always sleeping in. And then they had this comic come to their their university or whatever. And he's like, it's like 7 p.m. show. He's like, this guy works at 7 p.m. I could do that. I could do that job. <laughs> we get up, whatever. They called him Rip Regan because he was like Rip Van Winkle. He's always okay. sleeping. So... He saw this ad for like a comedy club, like I guess an hour away or whatever in a town in Florida. And he, he goes up and he, he draws like number five and he's like, and everybody else is like, Hey, I'll trade you one for five. I'll trade you eight for five. He's like, everyone wanted to trade me for my spot. So he's like, I didn't trade it. Cause I could tell what I had was what everybody else wanted. So I, I held on to that. And he's like, and when they, they said my name, I, he's like, I had, well, I had all my jokes memorized, whatever. And I go up on stage and I, I go to say, hi, my name's Brian. He's like, I get this big feedback from the microphone. He's like, Whoa. You know what I mean? What you know? And it's, the lights are in my eyes. He's like, "Wow!" He's like, "I, I just learned my first thing about stand up, whatever." And he's like, "And then he's like, and then I blanked on my entire act." And he's like, "You, you guys aren't gonna believe this, but I just forgot every word of my act." And then, and then they laughed. He's like, "No, no, no, I'm not joking." And then they laughed again. He's like, "No, you guys, this is a nightmare. Like, this is not." <laughs> and they're laughing. So he's cool. like, "Fuck, you must." You must think I'm a big idiot. <laughs> like, and he's just and they're still laughing again. And he like he like somehow got through, but he wasn't like he was like so embarrassed. He was like, no, I don't, guys, I I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? They're just laughing. He gets off stage and he's like, in the fucking headliners, like, oh my god, that was great. Was that planned? He's like, was that planned? What are you talking about? It's like, the worst day of my life. Yeah, he's like, but he's like, he's like, but he went on like the next four or five times, and he's like, and he remembered his act, and he's like, and he bombed. All the jokes didn't do well or whatever. But for him, he's like, but I remembered that. First, I, I knew I got him laughing. So that was what kept, because imagine Brian Regan just not having him as a comic out there. You know That'd what I mean? Be because like his, 
because his you know his act sucked and he would have been like all right i'm not that funny whatever but but he's like but that first time knowing that i can get him laughing was what made him stick around yeah i see i had some i had some friends and family come watch the first time like they're excited to to see the show and like so in my head like even now to this day i'm always playing to like a few people either i'm playing to the comics or like to, to like to a comic in the back like i in my head i'm not trying right. to play to everyone so i was just playing to them and it went well and like the second time i was like on my own it's alone it's dark out and i just shit the bed and then like it did stop me for like a, a few months i was just yeah. like or maybe longer and then i was just like now what and but like but in my heart in my heart i'm like oh i can make people laugh it's just like of course but it's insane because like you have to try your first time in front of a live audience it's the dumbest thing it's like no other open mic. It's not like singing. It's not like a, a guitar or piano where you could pra- you practice for years. Right. It's just like, hey, I want to say something funny. I'll do it right now in front of 300 people. Right. Like, why would you do that to yourself? That's insane. <laughs> well, and the thing too is I tell people all the time, because I ran an open mic, I, I feel like I was in a bit of a position to maybe give some half decent advice because everyone I talk to is like, oh, I want to do stand up. You know, I'm, I'm trying to put together. Oh, but it's not ready yet. It's not ready. I go, it's never going to be ready. I go, because no joke is even a joke until you've done it on stage. Because if you don't know if it's funny or not, like you could sing a song and it could be a shit song, but you know it's a song. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's a soliloquy. It's a a speech, regardless of whether you've done it in front of somebody. But with stand-up, it's only funny to you until you've told people and then verified that it's in fact, okay, yes, this is is a funny concept. Because you can, like I, I stopped really early pitching my premises and ideas to friends because even if it's funny, they're never going to give you the response of a, a comedy club. You never know what I mean? A room full of people. So you go and they go, eh, it's funny. And I'm like, it sucks. <laughs> you didn't just laugh out loud. Yeah, it's garbage. So I stopped doing that myself. I'm like, I'm like, I have an idea. And then when I bring it to the stage, that will let me know if it's a joke or not. And that's the only way to find out if it's funny or not. And it might, not sound, when you write it down, you're like, oh, this is terrible premise. No one's going to laugh at this. Right. You're like, you're going to be like, trust me, trust me. Once I say it aloud. Yeah. yeah, in front of a crowd. On you the have microphone. to fucking be ready. And the thing is, you learn. I think one of the skills of like a professional comic is that you you learn how to throw it out there on stage the first time with enough grace that if it doesn't go well, you're like, well, that's not that. I guess that's only funny to me or whatever it is or something. Where the audience is like, rather than people go, that nothing bothers me more than when a comic's like they do a joke and they go, really, nothing. I go, well, what are you expecting them to just burst out laughing then? Like, oh, no, we were just waiting for your permission to laugh at it. Like, right. yes, really. They would have laughed if there was something. You know what I mean? They're like, really? Nothing? You guys? No? Nothing? <laughs> what are they saying? Yeah, like, the, the idea of, like, as you, the longer you do it, you're never going to have, like, a full, like, bomb just, like, start to finish unless, unless you've completely lost them from the beginning. But, like, right. so there's always, like, it's always good to just take some risks and just add some new stuff, like to work it out for sure. Yeah. I saw Ralphie may talk one time and he said, he's like, it's funny. The first time you ever did stand up comedy, you did six minutes. You did an entire set of all new material. And he's like, and, and getting comics to do that again is like almost impossible. Yeah. That feel, you know what I mean? Like, 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 yeah, you, the first time you were on stage, the least amount of experience, you went out with all new shit. And he's like, why don't, why doesn't anyone do that again? You know? Yeah. People just be like, yeah, this is all just all new shit. I'm sure there's comics that do do it, but I, I definitely resonate with what he's saying in terms of like, yeah, it's scary to go out and be like, I'll just risk doing poorly. And then there's the, like, my next question was how long before you started getting 
getting paid. But before we go into that, that's the element of it, right? Is that like, I guess once you start making money, you know, and if you have a family and responsibilities, like you can't risk fucking up a paid gig by trying something new. And at the end of the flip side of the coin, are you wasting your evenings running out to open mics where you can try new shit? You know, when, when that night could be better spent, you know, either doing something for, you know, your responsibilities or working a paid gig. That's kind of the, yeah. Like you can't, well, that's also the, the, the good thing about open mics is like, yeah, you're doing your six minutes brand new, but there's also that there's the expectations lower. Right. So like, if you're just do six minutes new on a Saturday night, like that's like, that's crazy. <laughs> right. But then that also but I'm showcasing I, for the owner, I'm going to do all new stuff. <laughs> but then also the longer you do comedy, you're like, are you going to still go out and do all the open mics? You, you have to kind of keep that work ethic going where that's where you're going to find out if something's funny, really. Yeah, exactly. I, I think Jason, one of the good pieces of advice he gave me was like, if you're going to, if you're doing a paid show, and you're going to try something new. You you sandwich it in between two bits that you know are going to work. You know right. what I mean? So you can you know you get them laughing good to prove you're funny. Then you try the new thing, hey, and it might work, it might not. But then you have something that's tried and true that's going to win them back afterwards. But you know, I got this great anal sex joke. I'm going to try on this fucking daytime corporate today. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it on the early show. See how it goes. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember how long it was before you started getting paid gigs? Or the first paid gig I remember was. Someone asked me to do comedy at a, a Jack and Jill. Like they're getting married. It was, it's, oh, it's I see. Joint, I see. Like stag a, and Doe, whatever. Stag and Doe, yeah, Jack, yeah, and yeah, Jack and Jill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, I don't know why I thought it was like a fucking Jack Astor's. A Jack and Jill's. I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is Jack that? Jack and Jill. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like a stag and Doe thing. It was this Greek guy. He owned this restaurant in Scarborough. And he's like, you should uh, come do, I want you, uh, you're funny. My son thinks you're funny. Come Come do 15 minutes. And I was doing 15 minutes. And like, I'm an amateur comic. Right, right, right. Did you have 15 minutes at the time? No, I had to stretch everything. So then like, I think, I think I did some crowd work, just made fun of like being Greek, whatever, whatever. And I got, I think I got 60 bucks. And then I took me and a couple of my friends out. We went to like, we went to a club. I used the money from that to pay for, we were going to go to the club. Right because of the cover so i used the car i used the money i made from the show to pay for the cover and that ended up meeting like my, my first girlfriend that night who really became my first my first i, I we almost got married <laughs> so really fiance, yeah so that all culminated from like from stand-up from my first paid gig that's awesome she was yeah. she she wasn't your first girlfriend ever right? she was my first girl first everything ever. oh wow first everything dude that's awesome yeah in high in hindsight it sounds good but like obviously it ended terribly but how long were we together? Seven years. Yeah. Can we talk about this? You could talk about it. I did a whole one man show about it. So Okay. Well, I just, I, sometimes I, I, you know, what's funny. I didn't ask you this, but, but I don't know if I've ever told my listeners this, but before I ever start a podcast, I always ask like, Hey, is there any subjects that are like off limits in case we get close to them? And I ask a question that steps into that territory. Right. And I didn't ask you that first. Are there anything that we're not like, I'm not going to ask about shit just for the sake of being personal needlessly, but I wouldn't even know what until it comes up. All right. I'm going to hit pause and give you a perfect example. All right, guys, we're going to be right back and you won't even notice the time. All right, gang, I've, I've, I've checked, I've checked in, we've made checked sure in. that we're so. not allowed to talk about my illegitimate children that are just floating around North America. That's true. All of, of those. Act- 
seven. There's seven. Seven, and yeah. not a single legitimate one. Everybody's looking for accreditation. Yeah, yeah. No, other than that, we can talk about. So I, yeah, I mean, I do want to. I do want to circle back to that. But your first gig, sixty bucks. How long do you think it was that you had, you were doing stand up before you got that? I. It feels because I did a couple shows sporadically. My first year, I feel it was like my. It might have been like my second year, or like <laughs> going into comedy. I wasn't. I was hired by Yak, so they were the first, the first person, the first club I worked for. So it would, it would have been way after Amateur Night. So that was my first gig. I feel it was like, did they get, like, did they get you that gig? No, no, I got that on my own. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. And then, of course, did you tell them that you got it? And then they demanded their fifteen dollars, fifteen dollars, or percentage of my sixty dollars. No, no, this is like this was way before I got signed by uh, by X. I'm actually really fascinated about this club story. So, how did you meet? How did so, you meet your future fiance at a club? So and how did fifty? How did sixty bucks stretch between four guys or whatever? It is? I don't know how. Like it, it was, yeah, it was sixty. There's three of there's three of us. Okay, uh, okay. It was just our cover, and so I just was in there. I was I was going to York University at the time, where I just yeah, I was going to my second year, and I think she's going to her first year. I tell I tell the story on stage, like it's literally she's just dancing with these short <laughs> Asian and uh, <laughs> <it was> just, <laughs> and I'm like six four. And I tell the story, so, you know, like I embellish and I say I kicked him out of the way, but like I literally just started dancing with her. Like I kind of swooped in and like. So you just see this chick and you're like, I'm going to go dance with her. I don't know why. Her. And I was, I was like, yeah, I've had no girlfriend. Like I've done nothing. I think I've made out with the chick. You know, it was little things. And then we just started dancing. And then I th- she, I didn't have a cell. There's no cell phones. I think she wrote her phone number on my hand or something. Right. And just was, like that. You didn't ask for nothing. She just writes it down. Like I well, I asked for the number, but like I didn't expect to get it. And we just hit it off and I'm like, I'm like, is this how it is? Because it's like this feels too good to be true. Like right. I've never I've never gone on like dates like this or like dated anyone. So like I it was the best night. I think it's because of the show. Cause when you come off stage, you're there's a high. Like your confidence is through the roof. Right. Like had I not done that show, I would never have talked to her. There's like positive well that's what i was gonna ask you next i'm like where do you get this was that you the guy with no girlfriend just goes into a club and starts dancing with chicks yeah this is insane right so like so that was what it was was the high from the show yeah and i remember watching the movie swingers which is like you can't call a a girl too quickly after like you have to wait a couple days right that scene with vince vaughn and uh, john farrell haven't seen it i know it's a great movie it's a great he's like he's like he's like so same thing happens to him meets a girl he's if you call too fast and you're too eager you gotta wait but if you wait too long then it's gonna sound he's like why don't i just call her in three years from now and ask her if she remember the time we had a, 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 I bought a drink for her so it's a, it's a good movie so yeah I, I called her up and you have to call like so I have to call her up and have a conversation yeah what's um, wrong with that well no one calls no one talks. I get I call no I hate texting yeah you're a call guy right you like talking on the phone you know why it's because I'm an insecure person and text is so sterile there's no tone cadence whatever it gives people also way too long to answer back so it gives them chances to say no or to right. to really formulate rather than being authentic and genuine and knee-jerk it's oh you can take as long as you want to answer and formulate your thing so i just i guess with with talking to someone it's it's instant i feel like i can evaluate it better i get a better understanding of of 100 that's right that's true i think I'll, this wasn't a phone call, but the other day, like I was talking to a booker or something, and something was unsure, and I was like, "Oh, he might get the wrong idea." So I didn't have his number, but I left a voice memo. I'm like, "Oh, at the very least, let me let me let you hear what I'm saying in that tone, so you'll understand yeah. what I'm, where I'm coming from, right?" So, yeah, yeah. But 
Yeah, so I eventually I called her, and then like I was with her for seven years. Yeah, just like that. That's, that's the story. <laughs> I called her. I was with her for seven years. <laughs> no, we went out. We went on a first date, and had you remember how long did you wait the three days to call her? I waited. I waited three days, and then I also had an out. So I was gonna. My friend was gonna call me on the date and ask me what the weather was like, and then if and if I or if I told him it's you know sunny skies and that means it's going well. And if it was going bad, he was going to come up with like some sort of excuse to get me out of there. I was like, I was really nervous. This is, right, right, right. Yeah. But <laughs> you went on a date during the day. It was like, like a. It was like by the beach is in Toronto, so it was kind of right. like. So you're like, ah, oh, it's really overcast, and it was a yeah. sunny day. Yeah. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with this I think guy? She, I oh, think I have she to go. Realized some immediately what the hell was going on, but she didn't say anything. So no. Like, Do you remember just her first name? Her first name? Yeah. Her name, her name is Tova. Was her first name? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Was she Greek too? No, no, she's not Greek. She was Polish. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Sorry, I just have never heard that name before. Yeah, so I was cool. like, I was like, if you're like Sarah, I'm like, well, no one's gonna know who that is. I'm like, ah, well, that one narrows it down a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> there's three like, of them in Canada. There's three of them in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, great human being. She's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. So then I would imagine you guys were together pretty much through the rise of your comedy career. Yeah, she was there from the the very beginning. She was there when I dropped out of university to 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 stand up what were you studying at that time i was studying sociology okay yeah at york university yeah so i did i was with her for all her schooling and i think i think she did a master's as well at york and then by by that point i dropped out and just like was just doing mics and stuff really not a good uh, trajectory for for a relationship to drop out of university to be a stand-up well, if you, I mean, you're still like, doing you're it now, with, so that's a good someone, thing, yeah, right? While you're with your partner who's like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, was she supportive? She was supportive. My family wasn't. That's what, that was one of my questions too. Like, was your support system supportive? They thought it was fun, but they, once it became like, oh, I'm going to do this seriously. They're like, so it was always, it kind of shook me because like my family is very involved. Like they're, they're Greek. It's just like, it's not one of those things. That they're like, you know what? We just want you to do what makes you happy. And just, right. And just go get, you know, just take life by the horns and have the best. It's like, no, you're. There's expectations. You're you can't be doing this. You got to get married. You got to get a house. You got to do all that. So I, w- I was doing all that still. So I'd have to work while trying to do this. And, and you end up ruining everything. It's like my comedy career would have been a lot better if I didn't have to also try and please everyone else in my life so yeah. it's, it's always held me back a bit for myself but yeah so it was, it was a stressful relationship too because of all the ups and downs and family stuff and then yeah seven years well that's yeah that's a long time so, I mean, you were what you said you were 18 when you started so i met you're like what 25 26 when you guys called it quits called it quits was supposed to get married in 2004 i believe so yeah it was like no 2006 so it was 27 Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's a long time, man. Sold a house. We had a house together. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Well, I, I, I I'm would imagine so, so. So glad we're talking about it. No, I'm kidding. No, no, but I, <laughs> but I get it, man. Cause, yeah, cause it's a long time. I was my first girlfriend. <laughs> I'd lost my virginity to her. Like first everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm was similar to that with my relationship with Crystal, but we were off and on yeah. for 15 years. And did you, so like tough, tough convo, but did you, was she supportive or was she one of those people who's like, yeah, you know, do it, but you know, Hey, when are you going to like, what, that's was, tough, man. That's looking tough. Looking back, I would say, yes, I think 
it took me a while to look because you know obviously you're in a relationship and you start looking at back and you're like oh man i was with this girl and she was nuts or blah you know you start to make excuses but then i realized you know i'm, I'm the common denominator in all these relationships like, i had a responsibility i think she was supportive to what i wanted to do with comedy but not supportive of what i was putting it like I wasn't as gung-ho or I didn't have the plan to get things done. So it's kind of like, oh, I'll support you, but like, what are you going to do? Like, right. how does this work? Like, and you're just, you know, you're, as a comic, sometimes you're just like, man, I just want to get on stage and have fun. Right. There's no like end goal necessarily that's foreseeable. Well, even, even if you work hard and, and not to cut you off, but like even just recognizing it while you were speaking is like talking with two comics in the green room last night, whose names I won't mention who have done almost everything you can do in Canada going like, Oh, they're, they've, they're done with me. They've, I've done everything. It's like, there is no, there is no, well, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. And then I do this. You don't know when you're going to get a big break. You don't know when you're going to get a, a festival or a TV deal or whatever it is. So there, you can't even have a plan in stand up other than I'm just going to work my ass off at it all the time. Until, you know, the right thing comes along. I'm going to chase every opportunity, but you as the comic are never the one who gets to decide I'm going to be at that festival. It's not up to you. The only thing that's up to you is the, the, the work thing. So when other people are asking you like, well, what is, what is your plan? The same as if I was working on any other job, I'm going to do my best at it. I'm going to work fucking hard at it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like I wasn't, and it's, it's also like you're, it's an entrepreneurial thing that's, was that's, I'm not like, I'm not a businessman. So it's in my head. I'm like. I'm just going to be funny. Like that's in my yeah. head. Like there's a system in place through the clubs and stuff. When I started, it's different now, obviously where I was just like, okay, like if I do well, that, you know, things will just kind of pan out and to some degree. I'll start getting paid gigs and you'll showcase, you'll get just for laughs or you'll get some other festivals. And then like, you know, that, that can help you make a living. Like you could do decent or whatever. Right. So because I never had that or because none of that really panned out as I thought it would, it was kind of like, okay, well, if we're going to get married, we're going to have a house. Like I was working at a bank at the time. It's just like, well, what do we do? Like, it's just kind of, it just didn't work out in that, in that regard. But, but in your head, you're like, oh yeah, if I just be funny that somehow things will take care of themselves. That's also a Canadian mindset too, right? right? Like, whereas the States, you, you really have to be your own person from the very beginning. There are, yeah. There's a, well, there's a lot of sharks in the tank here. Everything's so spread out that it's like, I mean, you can have a, an entire career within a two hour driving radius in the States because the population is so dense. There's so many fucking clubs. Like, mm -hmm. whereas here you're like, uh, like when we're, we're, you're in Toronto, I'm in Ottawa. It's like, I can do Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, maybe Kingston here and there and some other shit in the area, but it does dry up and you're like, okay, well I got to go out West. Well, what's that? The entire week's pay for a flight. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I'll go like when you're starting out, and it's like, oh, I can go there and I'll make enough money. I'll break even. Like, it won't cost me money. Because when you're doing it new, you're paying to do stand-up. You're paying your gas to drive to Montreal to do a, a six-minute set. Like, in Ottawa, it's two hours away. But when you're new and hungry and you can get on stage once, twice a month, you'll drive to to Montreal to to do an extra spot. You know what I mean? So you get to that mindset. You're like, oh, well, I can I could do, you know, a week here and I'll break even. It won't even cost me anything. Now I'm like, fuck, I can sit on my couch for the week and break even. Like, I need to generate income. Yeah, and we're also like we're we're north, like so. There's not a lot of stuff going on. Like it's all the main cities, which is like what five? Yeah, across Canada, like across thousands of kilometers. Yeah. Whereas if you go, like you pick two or three states, neighboring states, it's like they all probably have four or five clubs. 
Yep. And then, you know, one-nighters and corporates. Millions of people yeah. that, you know, population that can revolve and hasn't seen you and, and whatever it is. And this is not even if you're if you're famous, just like if you're just a road comic. You're not, you're like, oh, do I have to go to New Mexico when I live in New York City? No, we probably shouldn't. Yeah. Unless you're doing like a big club or something, right? So, but yeah, like it's, but it, so in life, it's hard enough to figure out what you're going to do, but like add comedy and then try and mix those two. It's very difficult. Well, if someone's asking what's your trajectory, you're like, I, I don't know. Like you said, it is an entrepreneurship, right? And when you're a comic, I, I, there's a quote I love. Uh, I heard it from Lori Grenier, even though she says that it's not her quote, it's entrepreneurs are the only people willing to work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40. Right. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll, I'll chase this thing hard to not have to just sit in a fucking cubicle and, but, and, and hate myself. There's also another thing though. Like for me and never everyone's journey is the same. Like I got into comedy. You're looking at like the pinnacle. Like there's like, Oh, what do I want to do? It's like, you're thinking tonight show. You're thinking maybe SNL. Like you're, you have these dreams when right. you're young. You're like, what else? I was like, I want to do what that guy is doing. That's great. So, and then when, when you're doing it, you forget the, the why you got into it so that you can easily get jaded and lose perspective of, Oh, I just love doing this. And then, but if you're always trying to live up to what you thought it was going to be this ideal that, and if it doesn't come, like, then you're like, Oh, maybe did I, have I failed? And then for me now I'm like, Oh yeah, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I've met amazing people doing it full time. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've already made it. And so right. like, like if other, if you're always waiting for something to happen, you're never going to be happy. Like those two guys, just as one example. But for me, it's just like, Oh, I have to be happy now at what I'm doing. Otherwise I'll, I'll, it'll never come yeah. because if even if you're doing really well like you're you're, you're being on you've you done all the late show stuff at some point that's just gonna pan like that's gonna level off and then you're gonna be like well now what yeah so if you're always thinking now what then it's never gonna happen well nathan mcintosh told me this one time and he wouldn't name who the comic was but like nathan whose career is incredible right right he's done everything colbert fallon all this stuff conan like, he's done it all you know, probably could get himself booked at any club in the States. Like great. And, and great guy deserves it. Very happy for, for me. sure. So he's telling me he's opening for this comic. He wouldn't tell me who it was, but he's like, I'm opening for this guy. He's like, whose career I'm looking at going, fuck, I would love to have his career. Like, right. Even with all of his success. And he said, they're sitting in the green room and this fucking commercial comes on for a new movie right? The trailer for a new movie. Right. And the guy's sitting there going, fuck, you know, I auditioned for that fucking role. I should have got, I can't believe, can you believe they fucking gave it to him? I should have. Nathan's like, wow, you're still not satisfied with what you have. You know what I mean? Like, again, I would look at Nathan's career and go, fuck, I'd love to be there right now. You know what I mean? Right. Like living in New York city, doing all the things like, man, I would love that. Nathan's looking at this guy going like, fuck, I'd love to have his career. That guy's looking at TV. I fucking should have had like, it's like, so he's like, when does it ever become enough? Right. So what you're saying is a hundred percent true is to be like, you know, I, I'm happy with what I have. Like I've spent the last week sitting around a condo during the day. I mean, I'm doing work, but I'm not like, Oh fuck, I got to go jump into traffic and bust my ass to get to a job. I hate, you know, right. it's, it's nice to be able to enjoy what you have. In fact, it's, it's weird. There's always the grass is greener because I have friends who have exactly what you described, which is, you know, the wife, the kids, the house, the job right? Like I call it the template of life. Like it's like, Oh, just check, make sure you check these boxes, whatever. And I'm envious of the fact that like, they know where their money's coming from. They've got that support system. They've got some, you know, equity, you know what I mean? 
But it's, and I'm like, you know, and in, in, in three months from now on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., you know where you're going to be. Whereas I'm like, I, have, I haven't got a fucking clue. You know what I mean? I've always got that stress. But they look at my life and like, man, look, you get to travel everywhere. You get to hang out with these people, whatever it is. Like when it comes to life, there's always the grass is greener. You know always, what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like, I, I am fortunate, man. When I look back at all the memories I've had in this, this business, whatever, I'm like, I've met a lot of really cool people. I've, I've the amount of like no job I've ever had before do 200 people walk by me and go, man, that was great. Thank you so much. You were great. Like that, that doesn't happen. It's enjoyable in stand up. Like, Oh, I'm glad I got to be the thing you looked forward to outside of your work. Like you just worked a shitty week. You need to unwind. I'm glad I was a contributor to that part. Yeah, like so. Last night, I had after a sour, after the first show, this guy comes up to me. He's just like, he's like, you know, I saw you here years ago, and I told myself, man, I hope I run into that guy again. And he's just like, I just kept would kept looking at the postings at Absolute, and I saw your name. Like, I think that's the guy. And he's like, I just want to say, man, that was amazing. And I saw you here when you were a lot younger, and I was just like, oh, well, that's really cool. It's just like that's a memory for yeah. for that guy. And you know, we just take things for granted of like. Oh, whatever. It's just another, it's just another show. And then also like, like you were saying about Nathan, like someone looks where you are right now. And it's like, Oh, I would kill to be where they are. Yeah. Like I'd be cured to care. I would be killed to just be in this condo doing this podcast on a, you know, on a Sunday morning. Like, it's just like, Oh, how, how great would that be? Yeah. And then, and then we're like, Oh, I want to, I want this to happen. I want that to happen. Like, Oh no, it's happening. It's already happening. Yeah. Yeah. You forge relationships with people that get you and uh, that understand you more than anyone else does. Right. So like, this is a, well, that's the thing is, but it's a, it's an interesting, you know, fraternity, sorority, whatever we call it, that, that all of us comics are in is that we all understand the, the whole chasing this dream kind of, kind of thing. When you, when you were talking about your relationship, I was asking if it was supportive or whatever, because when I was, I think I'd been doing comedy for like two years or whatever, by the time I, I, you know, kind of got in a relationship with Crystal and things were not great from the get go in the sense that like she was going through stuff with, with her work. And, and I wasn't, I wasn't working. I was doing standup. So I would make some money, but not a shitload. And I don't know how long into the relationship it was, but she would say things like, you know, she's not sure she wants to be in a relationship with, with a comic, you know, like the, the instability of, of income and me being gone for long periods. Like, you know, if you're going to be gone for a while, like, you know, I don't know if I can. So like for myself that got into my head, it kind of it messed with me. I'm not going to say it's her fault. I won't blame. But when you hear somebody that you love and you want to be with say, I don't think I want to be with somebody who does that. It makes it hard for you to want to do a thing that you know would push away somebody that you care about. For sure. So I, when you were, you know, that's why I asked was, was, was your partner supportive or, or did it come to a point where she's like, listen, you got to shit or get off the pot. Like, was, I guess if I was to ask like what, what ended things? Cause you guys had the house, you were together seven years, you're doing stand up. I think it was just like we weren't. It was like I said, my first girlfriend. I'm like checking off all the boxes of what I'm supposed to do in life, mm-hmm. and then I realized I don't think this is this person's right for me. And then it just kind of slowly, slowly deteriorated from there. It's just like it was just kind of weighing on me. I'm like, I don't think this person and I are going to be married for the rest of our lives. So, so you called it off. I called it off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, hey, there's uh, nothing wrong with that. I just, I mean, I'm, I had a one man show called Disengage where I talk about <laughs> calling off two weddings. Yeah. You've called off two weddings? It's a lot funnier when it's in a show than when you're Of course. On a no. No, <laughs> hey, I, gotta, let me tell you. It's the really title's funny. hilarious. It's a really funny situation. Disengaged. Disengaged, yeah. So, so you, had, you had proposed. I proposed. And, and she has a ring on every day, and you're like, yeah. you come home one day. How did, how did, 
it's fascinating to me. It's not a, a poke. You have to buy how rings. did you? How did you? Fu- you have to buy rings. I thought I heard you say you have to buy wings. I'm like, here's a basket of wings and a beer. I got something to tell you. We're not doing this. Now, how did you? How did you disengage? You. It's a. So things were kind of tumultuous towards the end. Like I had. Hey Siri, what does tumultuous mean? <laughs> Come on. Oh, I have her on silent, so she wouldn't say it. It's here in front. Of, she brought it up. Making an uproar or loud, confused noise, applause, excited, confused, or disorderly. Yeah, like she'd give me the ring back right before we broke it, like like a few months before we broke up. Then we got back. Oh, to really? I almost had to repropose. So hold on. Did you did did you disengage she gave you the ring back? Or did she just one day go, here's your fucking ring? Like did it she was one of those kind of things, right? It was just like, okay, like I'm angry with you, we're fighting, like we don't know what we're we don't know what the future holds. There's there's confusion, so she gives me the ring back. So then I have to present the ring back again. Oh, but this is this is still the first person. So like, and then I'm like, no, no, I want to get married. This is the, this is going to be good for us. And then I still, and then as we're getting closer, I'm like, maybe we should take some time talk about it. And then did she know when you were going to repropose? No, it wasn't like a repropose. I just had the ring. I'm like, listen, put this ring on. Right, right, right. Get married. This is great. And we what? It wasn't. We were living together at this house. So then. So then we break up, but now I don't get the ring back. I didn't get the ring back for like, like over, it was over a year later. Like there was, it just, I mean, I won't get into the, the details. No, no, no. Of you course. get a house and all this. It's yeah. Like, yeah. There's a lot of horse. procedural shit. I, do you know those commercials of those I'll buy your jewelry type guys? Uh, yeah. Oliver. Uh, yeah. He's like, this, I had to, I went to him to buy back, to buy, to sell no one wants an engagement ring. When you you might pay like five thousand dollars for a ring, and then like to try and resell it at jewelry, they'll offer you like eight hundred bucks. It's a disaster. There's no yeah. I have to go down. through it. I have the, to go through the, it. The depreciation value of a wedding ring is like astronomical. Dude, I have I have an engagement ring in my closet right now that I got at Tiffany's that I'm going to take an absolute bath on. There's nothing you can do. No one. There's not. There's nothing. And it was so uniquely picked out for her that. It's not even something that I would imagine most women would want. So it's not even like I'll find a, a buyer who's like, oh, that's exactly what I'm looking for. It's it's very, you know, it's a, it's a heart-shaped cut diamond. Right. Because my my thing for her was always like my, my name for her was all, oh, you're my heart, you're my heart, whatever it is, right? So giving her a diamond ring that's heart-shaped. And even on the box, it has engraved like my heart, like I'm giving you my oh. heart, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the, yeah, and it was stupid expensive because it's from tiffany's so like i haven't even begun to be like oh i can't wait to fucking go down that horrific road of like what am i gonna get back for it okay maybe i'll just hang on to it maybe it'll have more value as like i'll get it framed or something put it on the wall to remind me you know be sure or whatever it is here's don't ignore red flags (laughs) yeah that's it's just a a symbol it'll just become a symbol it would be infinitely worth more to me as a symbol on my wall than uh you know a grand back in my fucking bank account (laughs) so here's here's the problem because my friends are like why don't you just keep it and give it to the next girl or like see if someone will buy it because they will put it in the the jeweler will say listen i'll put on display for like until and see if someone wants it but that's like buying a house where you just found out five people were murdered inside you're like you don't want to live in that house like it has death and shame written all over like no one else wants the ring you gave to someone right your heart no one's just like can I be heart part two? I'll take that. Right. Take, yeah. Now it's never been worn. 
because we never got to the presentation of the ring. But so then you have to have then you can never explain the story behind that ring. That's the tricky part, right? You're like, how did you pick this as a? <laughs> well, no, you can't. No, you can't. You can't, you can't give you have it. To lie and say, the oh, ring has to belong to the owner, and that's everything. That's you it. can't. It's it's there's almost that whole like male thing of like, oh, you're not a virgin too. Like you gave that to somebody else and I got the fucking, I'm supposed to act like this is the the virginity for me. But yeah, I, it's, but at the end of the day, like that's what I'm saying. When you're like, you gave the ring yeah, and then you took a bath on it, I'm sure. Bath on it, yeah. And then you had a second ring for someone else, took a bath on that one. I took a bath and I bought a pair of boots, leather boots with the, the proceeds from that just to make myself <laughs> feel better. Fuck. I took a huge bath on the second one. Yeah, for sure. That's brutal. Yeah, that's brutal, man. I'm I'm sorry to hear. So when you guys broke up, how did how did the break like the you were the one who called the quits? You're like, maybe yeah. we should see things, take some time. And then what happened? You just sat her and down then, one day. Did it just blurt out when you weren't expecting it, or were you like, I'm ready? I was like, okay, so listen. I was uh, at the house. I was like, listen, let's just take a few weeks to to gather ourselves. And then we met by this lake. Like they had like a. a oh wow not a big lake it's like a, a community lake it's like this park i think we'd been on a date there or something or we just knew where it was it's like somewhere outside that th- i'm just as soon as you told me that i'm like that feels ominous like if i was her i'd be like oh oh he wants to meet in public yeah, so <laughs> in I, front I'm of witnesses there. i'm driving there she drives there with her her best friend who, who's there for moral support clearly and then we so go she for knows a walk, and then like we just both start bawling like i just couldn't stop crying i was just like it was terrible. <laughs> we just both knew right away. This is a meeting to say, like, we're not getting married. She was already, by that time, she'd had three weeks with friends and family telling her, like. It's over. Because she wouldn't have told them all the stories of why this relationship is not healthy until it's on the table. And they have to be like, oh, yeah, I was so stupid. What was I thinking? And then, so by that time, she had the confidence to be like, okay, I think this is over. And yeah. So we were just, like, there was just us crying about it and stuff. And then. And then it just slowly, it just deteriorated into two people that had to try and sell a house after they're not together anymore. So right. Did you still live? To, I guess you did. You live together at that point? What? Yeah, yeah. So it was just became like a divorce where you're just like, there's like a lot of anger and bitterness and like everything's tough to do. And then, but ironically, I think we made contact much many years later. Like so, like I think she's she's great. She's married. She's got kids. But we don't talk. Whatever. But like it's funny. Not till years later that I was just like, oh yeah, like any animosity there was that's because you're just so emotionally charged when you're in a relationship it's like everything's like a, a thousand times what it is right and yeah so you're never you're not just two humans you're just like you're my ex i'm your ex and then right yeah. well the a couple nights ago you'd had you'd uh you'd tied a few on and just like you know we'd be talking about something completely different then you look at me you, go, you gotta get out of there you gotta get out of there you can't just be there it's it's you gotta oh, you gotta God, get your God. space you, oh, gotta, you gotta get out of that yeah, yeah. so i'm like this is clearly like you've been in a situation where you're living with the person and, the, and there is still a lot of, of, of bitterness and stuff with myself at the moment. I live with the person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and it's, it's tough. I, I, I don't take opportunities to publicly slag slag or anything like that. Like I think she's a great person. She's kind to everybody. Just not me. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, she's just not the kind of person who can team up. She's a, she's a solo act. You know what I mean? And any, any attempt to, you know, even though everybody wants a partner, some people are just like when they're not willing to be a partner. You know what I mean? Right. Like you got to give them everything that they want, but they're not really aware of what they're not returning. So it's it's tough. So for my bitterness, it would be like I would even be happy to sit and listen to her tell me everything that 
she wasn't happy with about the relationship, which I've done many times. It's just, if it's my turn to say something, the, the, the yelling, the cutting off, it's like, so you're not, you're not really here to, you know, here am I, it's, 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 you were the victim and, and only, it's like a Trump, you know what I mean? You're the best. And if you're wronged, you're the only one who's ever been wronged. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the whole world's against me. They rigged my election that stole it. Fake news. But nobody knows more about women than me. Nobody cares more. No one knows better about brain surgery than me. Like, it's just kind of, you're, you know, at one point you're like, you know, there's a word for that. And it's a, it's a, a word that gets tossed around a lot incorrectly, but yeah, I won't, yeah. I won't say you it. You can't diagnose someone. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different N word, but. Yeah. But the thing though, too, is that like what you, what I found as I got older is it's like, oh, like the guy that got into that relationship should never got into that relationship. Sure. So. So it's, there's a bit of a two-way street that I'm like, oh, yeah, why am I attracted to the type of person where my relationships are working out? Not to say that anyone's perfect for anyone, right? Of course. But there is sometimes you get into relationships at the wrong time or when you're young and you're immature and you don't realize what you're looking for. So for me, I had to do like a lot of introspection and just realize, oh, yeah, what do I – what what are my faults or what are my shortcomings or or who who's a better match for me that is someone that's more inclined to be supportive of this type of career and and vice versa whereas someone that might be like oh yeah this person was never going to be on board this train right yeah well, well, hard. you don't you, you can't find out right because there's emotions going th- you know you're excited it's a new person it's it's it doesn't really come out till later on well that's the thing right is is that new person everyone that they to call the honeymoon phase and all that shit it's that it's the drug it's the escape. It's the distraction from your life. So all your own personal problems, it's like, oh, this new and shiny thing. Just like when you eat, when you shop, when you do drugs, when you drink, it's it's a distraction. But the thing is, the longer you're with them, you're like, okay, well, the distraction part is over and it's I'm still me. Right. And this person has learned me now. You know what I mean? Like it's can only distract for so long, you know? So to me, that's what the, the honeymoon phase is, is the whole like, oh, we're not really diving deep into each other yet. We're just enjoying the small talk, the laughs, the outdoing things. And then it's like, okay, now reality is back. Yeah. And so for, for myself, it's, it's a lot of just, you know, hey, like now I, I recognize for years, I thought, you know, every time we would break up, I would listen to the, the list of things that I had done. Right. I always did this. that, And and again, because I loved her and and I didn't want it to to end. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to take that list and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to be like, okay, are these fair criticisms? But over time I would just, I would be banging my head against the wall. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't do that. I wasn't these things. You know what I mean? And it sucks that someone you love views you that way, whatever. But this last time, like I had a lot of information even before it happened. So I wasn't like, this is the, the nice thing is about this, this on and off again relationship. Like it's over. Right. You know what I mean? I, I was pretty sure it was over last time, but I was still like, okay, the things that I'm willing now having the, the psychology background and understanding what's going on in the dynamic this time, I I'm not as devastated. I'm disappointed. I'm sad. Like I said, I bought a ring, like things were good for a very long time. I'm like, it's the healthiest our relationships ever been. Maybe we're ready to move forward. And then it just, once we moved in together, it took a giant step backwards and I'll be okay but there's a part of me that's like, that's 15 years of my life. And as a, a fat 40 year old, there's not too much of it left. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm hoping, uh, I think that that really I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, you know what? It is important to be happy with who you are and not look for that in someone else. Everyone else is looking for somebody else to make them happy. Yeah. And like, we also, it's also like, we also don't want to be discouraged from like, if something 
comes up again to be like, oh, I know how this is going to turn out. Or yeah. Like, yeah, you can't be looking for what do they say? Your eyes aren't just receptors; they're also projectors. So if you feel like, oh, that's that's an indication of whatever, like you're going to see the world with whatever lens you're trying to see it with. So if you're trying to tell yourself that every relationship is going to be bad or whatever, like you'll just sabotage. You'll find a way to make it bad. Yeah. Exactly. Self-fulfilling yeah. prophecies or whatever. Exactly. But, uh, well, that's, that's, yeah, thanks for bringing everything down. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, <laughs> so you were doing stand up through all of this. I, I, some of the things I hear, like, were there any milestones or any moments that you had in your, your career that were a, just like super celebratory or like, road signs to be like keep going you know what i mean like because we all have the ups and downs was there anything that happened that we were any milestones you were particularly proud of any moments of just like this was what made me so like yeah i gotta i gotta keep doing this mm, i don't like i've had breaks in comedy where i'm like maybe i shouldn't be doing this or or just doing it differently that is the next question was the, the negative right we shine the light and then the shadows <laughs> on the second one so like big moments i mean i guess like Getting my getting a a visa, being able to work in the states was kind of like, oh, okay, like you know, I'm doing I'm, I'm doing decent enough that like like I can work down there, or or doing well in shows in in like New York City or LA. I'm like, oh yeah, I can hang here. Like I'm right. not I'm not. Do you still have that? What's that? Do you still have that visa? Do I still have the visa? Yeah, I have a visa. Yeah, I have a visa. Yeah, yeah. I still I saw. We'll probably talk about this the next because I, I I haven't been in school, so I haven't been able to do. So I, yeah, 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 no, I've please, please, some, of course, I've taken of course, some detours. So that's kind of good. Like Winnipeg Comedy Festival, that was my first kind of being on TV. It's like uh, this Canadian festival, which is like for me, I was just like, oh, that that's awesome. Like I'm with like some really good comics. I think you know what, I'm I have a lot of funny friends, and the fact that. I can make them laugh and they make me like my, my milestones are different now when I I was, cause my theory is like, you're always, you're never going to get bitter as long as you're writing your material and you know, you have gratitude and and stuff like that. So I'll never get to point like, Oh, am I funny or am I even good at this? I know I'm good at it Yeah, because I can make some of the funniest people in this country laugh. And I'm like, Oh, that means, that means more to me than like, than the audience. It's just like, if I can, you can make, if I can make that guy laugh, like, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. We're making each other laugh. So like, we're already, we're already good at comedy. So right, right. They're the toughest crowd. Cause well, no one makes me laugh if they're not a comic. Like if I just, if I have a conversation with someone, they're trying to be funny. Like I'll just stare at them <laughs> blankly. Like have you ever been, they're like, a you're table? a snob. I'm like, no, you're just not funny. Yeah. Have you ever been at a table with comics and someone either new or a non-comic, a civilian <laughs> yep. sits down and I'm like, I don't, this is not the table for you. Cause this table is just going to be laughs or stories, or it's either going to be pointed conversations that are relative to our lives. Right. It's a very inner circle. So if like you're, you have to bring something to the table and if you're coming in with hack jokes to make comics laughs, it's like, it's, if you're coming here for your own validation, yeah, which is what a lot of them do. They want to come to the table and, Oh, I'm going to try to make the, co- it's, this is not fucking American Idol, buddy. You're not going to sit down and we're going to let you know, like, Oh, I've told people to leave. You, you, you can't sit here. Like you've said that I've had, you don't seem like not, that guy. Not, You're such a sweetheart. No, not in the not crush. So some words. fucking kid. <laughs> I, well, was it, I watched never, you throw a homeless man's chocolate away the other night. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, that, that's way out of context. The way, way I said that context. guys, <laughs> way out of context. I'll talk about that on the podcast this week. Don't you worry. Yeah, don't worry. I did not just, uh, <laughs> out of his hand. no, but like I, my friends done that was just like, he's like, uh, it's like, Hey man, I don't think you should be sitting here. I've done it in like more subtle ways. Like if we, if we're going 
to like somewhere else. I'm just like, oh, we're just gonna go. Like it's just, I've done it in a nice way, but like I have seen it. Like, you haven't looked at someone in the eye and go, hey, can't sit here. Seats taken. No, if they're a comic, <laughs> I would never say that to a young comic because like I would never shoot their dream. No, because I was that guy. So like, right, right. I right. would try and sit down at a table. It's just like ah. But I would sit down and listen. I wouldn't sit down and just try and crack jokes because right. who cares? We're we're not always doing that. We're just always, you know, like like this. We're just talking about stuff that's you don't. Two guys almost never talk about relationships in regular day to day life. It's like we're already in the dark of of comedy of the arts. So right. it's easier for us to go down these roads. That's where we live. We live, in the, we live in the dark road. How do I make this dark road funny so that it's less dark for this moment? Oh well, we can buy lasted, some buy some minutes. glow sticks at the dollar store. Yeah. Throw them in the corners. <laughs> That's interesting. So your milestones, I guess, the things that the things that made you keep going is just being able to make funny people laugh. I I don't really have like milestones. I just yeah, I never really thought of it. Well, that. the Winnipeg ones are yeah, a yeah. good one. Like I mean, it's it's not everybody has necessarily even an answer for that. It's just sometimes people have like this moment where they were like, you know, I was going through this, I was going to stop, and then I had that. Like Morgan Freeman tells these stories about how like he was fifty five before he forgot his first movie. He was about to quit trying to act, and then he got a movie. And then he would audition, 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 nothing, nothing, nothing. Right before he was about to quit, he'd fucking get another. Like it was literally just every time he was about to quit, he would get something else to make him keep going. To the point where it was like, it's fucking Morgan Freeman. Let's give him work. You know what I mean? But in the early shit, it was like nothing. So some people have it, some people don't. But it's a good example of like, essentially you answered the question, which is like, what are the things in this industry that make you want to keep going? And for you, it's like knowing that I can make other funny people laugh. It's like a chef being able to say, you know, chef Ramsey and Jamie Oliver were like, this is a great dish. Like, great. The people who know how to do it the best, you know, consume it and enjoy it versus people in the the crowd whose idea of a good joke is some hack fucking thing. They heard at their office or got on an email chain. Like my mom love her to death. I do. And my mom is funny for a civilian. She's got an upbeat personality at work and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But she's not, doesn't, doesn't make me laugh. You know what I mean? She's like, oh, you're just a snob. You just don't want me to, you know, you just don't want to say I'm funny. And I'm like, you're just not funny at this level. Hey, look, your fucking buffalo cheese dip was delicious at a barbecue. But if you put that on a five-star Michelin restaurant, it's not going to, it's not going to turn any fucking heads. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's fine for, you know, mid range. But if you're coming to the people that do it for a living and you want validation, then you got to fucking bring it. You know what I mean? Don't get mad at them for telling you something you didn't want to hear. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I think, I think the idea of make it is like, so it, for me, it's not like, like a milestone in that regard of like, uh, how will I know that I make it? Like, I don't have that. Like a lot of people like Morgan Freeman, you're saying, or like Matt Reif talks about that story. Was like, I was doing this for 11 years and I was like, I'm going to quit. And in my head, I'm like, I can't quit if I wanted to. I've tried. I can't. Like that stupid stage sucks me back in. Right. Even when I'm like, oh, you know, I don't want to, I just don't want to do something where I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, I can't, I can't say that. It's, it's just in my blood now. I can't not go right. on stage and do, and do standup. So it always it always pulls me back in to some to some degree like it's just it's just who I am now it's a part of my yeah. it's a part of my identity not in a it doesn't define me but it's just like oh this is something like like if you play an instrument you're not just like oh I don't do that anymore I put the guitar away you don't 
play the guitar at all even for yourself so it's like right for us we just are there is no for ourselves. we have to go on stage in front of people like there's no other way to do it or just even make people laugh like i i have thought about quitting but my my brain is like what else are you gonna do like i have i i was an electrician when i was young I, I worked in sales. I worked in kitchens. I, I did door to door stuff. Like I've done so many, I worked in hospitality and hotels. Like I've worked so many fucking jobs. So I can do lots of things. The only common denominator at all these jobs is that I was fucking cracking jokes with my colleagues and making them laugh and, and everything like that. Like I have been the funny person my whole life. So it's like, I could go and do, I know I could do something else, but it's not going to make me happy. Like the best thing that I have. And first off I've rewired people's entire homes and things like that and ran into them two, three years later and they didn't recognize me. I was in their home every day for a month, you know, and, and they didn't recognize me. Whereas people saw me five, six years ago, someone saw me during the pandemic with a mask on at a, at a Harvey's and they're like, Hey, I saw you at absolute comedy. I'm like, my face is covered. Do you know what I mean? And it's been two years since that club has been open. So two years later, you just recognized my voice they were like, yeah, you're really fine. That didn't ever, hey, you wired my house. Hey, you sold me my TV. It's never happened. But people will recognize you mm-hmm. for stand-up because like that that just meant more. Do you know what I mean? I do, I do. Yeah. So like I I'm I'm with you, man, in the sense that it's it's part of who I am. Because even when I'm not on stage, I'm still just trying to be funny. You know what I mean? I'm still just trying to make people laugh. Like right. we're having a shitty day at work, I crack a couple jokes, and eh, now you're laughing at least. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't know. What about the the negatives? Well, the negatives is just like I was. So funny story. I I was gonna walk away from comedy, and then I remember because I had to call. I had to call Jason. I cancel. I had like canceled all my shows. I was like, really? I was like, listen. I like I, I need to to step away because there is one thing. Like I've been doing this for over twenty years. It wasn't like how why haven't I made it? It's just like oh, I've been doing one thing for twenty years. So all the year, and I started when I was 18. So what do I know about what I want, what I like? Is there anything else I want to try? So, and I I did not have an answer for that. I just like, I just knew I needed to kind of step away, recharge. So I had to call, I had to call clubs and say, hey, I'm canceling my headline weeks. So I call up Jason and I was like, hey, Jay, can I talk to you for me? He's like, like, ah, fuck. I'll I'll call you. We got to pull over. I got to pull over. Jesus. It's like, God damn it. I was way what's wrong and i'm like listen i just just i just gotta take some time away from from comedy he's like what what do you you get your night i'll make sure no one gives you booze at the club just he's like you're canceling and i gave i gave enough time like it wasn't like yeah, yeah. it's not like it wasn't the week before no right? no yeah. it was like it was like months and months away right but i just remember that's the only person i had to i had to talk to in person to say like which was a decision like oh i'm not so then i literally make that phone call and like two weeks later the pandemic starts so I had already had the mindset of like, I'm going to be on my own and not worry and just try and figure some shit out. So nothing like, I wasn't shocked by the pandemic. It didn't shock me to like, now what? It's just like, right. I was already in this mindset of like, oh, like everything. I need to are, take a break. Things are already stopping. Like, so I don't have to worry. I wasn't, I didn't have that shock of like, oh shit, I just lost all my gigs. You also won't have the guilt of like, why did I do that to myself or whatever when you're like, not out of my hands out of my hands but i did have to cancel everything and then during that period so like i wasn't doing zoom comedy or anything i was just like i got a job and i decided to take one course some community college course to see if i could uh, finish the degree because i I always wanted to finish school because i felt like 
comedy was a I didn't have to drop out to be a stand-up comic. Like you could just, I could have still done both. Right. But I made up that idea in my head. I'm like, no, no, you gotta. So I just slowly for the next couple of years just picked up some courses here and there and then eventually everything opened and then I just somehow I'm like six months away or a few months away from finishing a degree. So for me it's kinda like oh, like comedy's still here and now I have this extra bit of knowledge or whatever of going back to school so i'm happy about that but like it was there was a time there during the pandemic i'm like what am i doing like why am i i was literally a housekeeper at a hospital for like six months literally no one wanted these jobs because it's like no one's going to go into the hospital during the pandemic right. was it a good gig it wasn't a, it wasn't a good gig. <laughs> it, was, it was a solid gig but uh well was, i mean good as in like the pay was good and it wasn't too hard not pay? like oh man i can't wait to do this the rest of my life but. no it was it was the most challenging like most stressful thing ever it's just really literally working in a hospital like I, first of all i've been in comedy for years so now i gotta go back and recalibrate to, to having a job and you're right. just like you're at the lowest rung within the hospital so like what were you a porter or orderly no or porters porters eventually what i got a job as a porter which is actually you no know, people you know if you're working in the hospital, everyone treats you well in the hospital. They all very supportive. Really? Hospital people don't judge other people in the hospital. It's the ones I worked at. Okay. This was now. This was also something we haven't talked about yet. But this is in Vancouver. I take it. This is in Vancouver. Right. Uh, so Vancouver. at some point, guys, he moved to Vancouver. Just so I moved you know. to Vancouver. We're, we're, yeah. we, we've jumped ahead, but <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> no, it's fun. It's that's how it goes. After <laughs> engagement two, ended up well, that's Vancouver. one of my questions. We can we can totally go that. But you're in the hospital. Everybody treats everybody good. <laughs> yeah. So, but I was no like before. I was, I was literally like a housekeeper i was collecting trash and like throwing trash i was just like what was the title that sounds like a janitor not a housekeeper well you're it's collecting called housekeeping housekeepers are oh. responsible for all the housekeeping in the hospital so but I, you well, weren't changing bed linens I've and done stuff that like too, oh, okay dude. i did everything okay okay yeah, it's nuts it's like uh and then every day at seven o'clock people the, the ambulances would drive by honking their horns and flashing lights and we'd all have to stand outside and wave at the at the fan people would come to the hospital with their masks on it's like oh the supporting the hospital that's so stupid you have to stop working so you can go out and receive well, I praise mind stop, i didn't mind stop working but yeah you're like okay take it easy guys like yeah and that soon petered out. it's like thanks for not staying home to come out and support us yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so then you're doing that and every day i'm like what is this gonna be what's the end of this like you're not in school fully you're just taking courses you're not doing any comedy no one is but you're not doing zooms it's not, you're not making sketches did you ever end up doing any of it the online shit. I didn't Zero. do a single one. No. It seemed horrible. And then the more and more comics I respected, I saw doing it. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. This is going to be another one of those. I missed the boat things. Yeah, but no, I never did a no. single one the entire pandemic. It seemed like a nightmare to me. Yeah. No, I just never wanted to. I wasn't doing, I wasn't thinking about comedy. I wasn't on socials at all. Like I was just like, no, there, there's this, this has meaning to it. You're here for a reason. So like, just get up every day, go, go to work. And you know, I was still writing. I was still writing a lot. And then, just going on this own journey. I was like, might as well just do it now. And uh, yeah, so I'm happy for it. And then eventually got back, got back into stand-up. That was rough. That was like starting over again because just your timing is off. Mm -hmm. But so that was about a year after everything opened. So, but I don't know, like that's the thing with comedy. It's just like nothing really changes. Like if you can still write and you're, you're not going to get less funny if you're st still writing and being true to yourself. So it was like, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just take this detour, and that's so. I'm still on the detour. Still, you think? Well, I mean, I'm. I I still have like six months left to school, or like one semester. Right, left to school. right, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. If school's the detour, yeah, 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 yeah. School's the detour. You can't. Really I thought you that. meant the break from comedy. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like that explains this week. 
<laughs> on stage. I'm like, okay, he's on a break. That's why. What does that mean? That I bombed? Well, it was a small joke. Like, that's not as funny if I have to explain it. But you didn't bomb, though. You didn't. It's just a stupid little jab, good-natured ribbing. You're like, wait a minute, what? Wait, let me see. God, I did a little traveling. Before everything shut down, I was in, a, I was in Alberta, and I, I actually I met the, the prime minister of Canada. I met Trudeau. I'm not bragging. I, it happened though. It's a weird, it's a weird place to see him in Alberta. I'm not sure if he got lost or his plane broke down. <laughs> but he was there, guys. <laughs> it's like, where the fuck am I? This is not good. I feel scared. And, but it was, I was weird. It was just, I was, I was doing shows and then I was in this coffee shop and then you start to see all these security guards come in, right? And then you see reporters and cops and you're like, oh, what's going on here? Is there like a concert? Something's happening. And then he just walks in, guys. He just walks in. Doors part, there's like light around him, and everyone's like, oh my God, because you know, now they're starstruck, they hate him, but you know, he's here, and then <laughs> it's different, right? <laughs> so he just starts introducing himself as he's walking around, he's like, you know, my name is uh, you know, Justin Trudeau, and uh, what's your name? And so he finally comes around to me, I'm sitting there, he's like, you know, uh, Justin Trudeau, what's your name? I'm like, Thymios Nasiopoulos. He's like, what? I'm like, I'm like, don't worry, but it's not about me today, this is your day. It's okay. And then he's like, he's like, let's take a picture. So I stand up and I'm taking, I'm standing right beside this guy and it's, it's crazy. Like he's six, two, six, four, whatever. Anyways. And, uh, <laughs> so I just put my arm around this little guy and <laughs> let him know that I was here. And he's like, whoo, he, he squeaked a little. It was cute. Like, <laughs> like, and he was having a great hair day. So was I. <laughs> And then we just, and then we just locked eyes and it felt like an eternity. Like I just pictured us doing shit together, like running on the beach, deep blue eyes. And we just got, it was just me and him at that moment in time. And I, I was like, can you imagine how scandalous it would be if I just like slowly reached in and choked him to death? How fucking popular I would be in Western Canada. I saw, I, I would, I would be a hero. I would be here in Western Canada, I'd have a statue, and I'd be here holding my dick, and then under, underneath, it will just say, if the meal snatched the and then in brackets, say, don't worry, he speaks English, and then, <laughs> and then I'd get shot, and I'd be, oh my, I'd be in the hospital, and then I'd be, you know, eventually I'd get pardoned by future Prime Minister Doug Ford, and I'd be like, because you guys don't know how to vote, and... <laughs> And then he just picked me up from the airport with Jordan Peterson. We were just doing a bunch of crack in the back seat in honor of his brother Rob Ford. But now I have a taste for killing prime ministers, so I just beat Doug Ford to death with a copy of Jordan Peterson's book. And then we just cry together and go on a road trip to meet Joe Rogan in Austin, Texas. He's like, don't kill him. I'm like, hey, it's not the prime minister. But you, I, I said, like, what was your best moment in stand-up? Would you say the Winnipeg Festival so far has been one of the... One of my uh, best moments? No, I, my best moment is a road trip I took with Comedy Records to go okay. out east with Monty Scott and, Rick, and Nick Reynolds and just friends of mine. Yeah, yeah. That was like, you know when you have a, you know when you go, when you're a kid and you have a sleepover and you're with your friends, you're playing video games, like, oh, yeah. this is the best day ever? Yeah. You're like, oh, and then you have to go home the next day? That like those some of like that road trip was just a fun. It was our first college gig. It was like a I'd never been to. I don't think I had been to the. I had once, but to do colleges in the East Coast was fun. So for me, it's moments. It's really not like it's more stuff like that. They're like yeah, just having fun. It was just like so that for me was probably one of the, my best. I'd say comedy moments was just being able to do that tour. That road trip, yeah, yeah, that tour. 
good group of guys too. Yeah, yeah. funny guys. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Nick's already done an episode of it. So, so Nick's episode is there, guys. If you want to hear, it. I think he talked about that that trip too. Oh, yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, yeah. was it? Were you guys sitting at a park bench and there was a bunch of deer or something that came and got up in your face or whatever? I don't know. Could have been a different one. He might have been doing one with K Trev at that point. Worst comedy moment. Oh, it's it was doing a show for Yuck Yucks. So I'm, I think I'm with Bob Keel. Is it Bob Keel? Yeah. And he's so, dead, eh? Did you know? He is dead. Yeah. He won the lottery and then died. He won the lottery? He won he won some small lottery in Kingston oh. or whatever and then died. No, he was alive and he was he was an angry man. <laughs> he was alive <laughs> in this story. <laughs> it wasn't a weekend at Bob Keel's. <laughs> so I'm uh I, this is right this is after I was my first engaged in a workout and there was like times where i just couldn't get on stage like it was just kind of i was it's like a little rough spot there so i'm kind of like raw i don't have my timing down i'm doing a, a middle set and it's at this like hotel casino banquet hall where they're watching will ferrell's ice capades movie over a buffet oh, blades of glory so we play it after so they're eating watching this hour and a half movie and then there's stand-up <laughs> so we're set up so I go dinner in a movie. I go up there, just eat it. I'm supposed to do 20 minutes. After 12, I'm, I'm bombing horribly. And then as I walk off stage, my my foot catches all the cables, and I and I rip out the amp, and then I just and then I just saunter <laughs> to the back. And this guy's, he's like, you know, man, that's not bad for your first time. I was just like, well, this is what Bob Keel says. No, this is what just a guy said. Oh, like, well, yes. Not my first time. It was like the that was my worst because like it's the top, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I always know worst moment was that moment. Really? That's it's not just, that's not one of the worst I've heard. I'm sure there's the worst ones. Oh hell yeah! I'm sure if I. But can it was just bombing at a corporate. It was just pulling that cable out. It was just. Oh, like that was worst. like insult to injury. Insult it was just it just put an exclamation point on what they yeah, just yeah. saw. Yeah. Fuck this fucking, boom yeah. My I will say the worst moment. It doesn't have to necessarily be like a stage show too. It could be like getting a phone call about a, a gig or, or something that happened as a result of stand up or something like just, no, the, the, I have another moment. There's one that I regret. It's like, I was supposed to do a spot at the Rivoli and I hadn't been writing much. And I was like, shit, I was just there. And like, I don't want to do the same set. And it pains me. It was just 2005, I think. And I just like, ah, I was like, I'll just cancel it. You know, I'll just blow it off. And then, I remember she's like uh, the producer. She's like, "Oh man, you really you picked a really." Is that bad. when Zoe was producing? Yeah, she's like, "You really picked a, you really picked a weird show to not show up to." So Lewis Black and Robin Williams showed up to that show, and that they both did time, and like Robin Williams is my absolute favorite person, like uh, yeah. in total. Like, so I was like, I was like, shit, I could have met Robin Williams. Like, I would have hung, I would have, you know. Yeah. him or something and then because i remember when he passed i was like i was actually sad like, it was one of the most saddest moments i've had for someone that's not family right of course it was that guy but a hero yeah 2014 is when he i think he passed yeah so that was terrible that's almost, almost 10 years now almost yeah almost 10 years so that was a, that was a, that kind of a worse moment for me because it's something i do think about yeah and there's another perfect example of somebody who has no argument huge success in the industry Robin Williams, right? Right, right? But then depressed enough to hang himself. I don't even know how that happened. I don't know if it's a disease or what, if he actually hung himself. That's what they said. They found him hanging, or hung himself in his closet. Well, suicide of some some kind. But it's just, like, people quote him all the time. And it's like, you know, when you, you, you make other people laugh because you feel shitty, it makes you feel better. You know, by making other people feel better, you feel better, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But 
again, another guy who clearly wasn't, you know, he's on top of the world in terms of success, but that's not everything. You know what I mean? Having, having money, having fame, all that shit's not everything. Right. That's why it's important to be grateful for what you have currently. Mm-hmm. Be like, everything's okay right now. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not in one of those countries where they're, you know, going to shoot me today or, or sell me into sex trafficking or something Is like that. Is that a worry for us? We're just going to, we sold into sex trafficking? Not for me. I don't fit in an oil drum, but (laughs) I don't think full grown uh, men are six feet tall. Like you're going to get thrown into. Well, no, but I'm like, I'm like, they can shoot, you know, we get shot at, I don't know. We're, we're, we're not in danger of of not making it till the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, with me and my heart conditions, you never know every day, every, every beat could be its last, but but I just mean that, like, we don't have it that bad, you know. If if we're in, if you're if you live in North America, you're already in like the the top five percent of the world. Well, it's so easy to just compare <laughs> yourself to other people. It's just like, why would you ever want to do that? Like, there's literally nothing can nothing can do you can do about that. Yeah, Zero. and and even the people like, well, I, I I never get the quote right, but I believe it's comparison is the death of joy. I said that they're, they're thief of joy because. Even the best people in the world who are rich or whatever, they'll still find someone who did it faster, better, younger. You know what I mean? Like if you start comparing yourself to other people, immediately you just start seeing, oh, I could have, I couldn't, I'm not as good as this one. It's like, you'll just never be happy. But you can't, if you're, if your goal in life, my goal in life is just to keep growing as right. a person. So, and I used to be like resentful of my past self. And when I was like, beat, I would beat myself up. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Yeah. But now like, the more growth I've gone through, it's just like, oh, I didn't have a choice. I would never have been different than not what I was. If I could have been, I would have been. It's just like, right. so there's no point in looking back because it's like that already happened. Like I wasn't going to do things differently well, based on his circumstances. And all of those things led you to who you are now because you take out any of those experiences yeah. or choices or reper- and you just, you're not who you are now, which is why the other quote I like is, is you don't have to be better than anybody else. Just have to be better than you were. You know what I mean? So as long as you're continuously growing, it doesn't really matter if you're better than others or doing yeah. more or whatever. Just as long as you know that every day you're doing better than the day before, then you're already on a, on a good trajectory. You know what yeah. I mean? And you better have doesn't do have to be like financially, but like it doesn't have to be like, it just ha- you just have to be an improvement on like who you are just to know yourself more, I think is even more yeah. just like that. I think that's what growth is. Self-aware, accountable. Yeah. All those things. Yeah, and I think too, like I, I look back, like I didn't have a lot of mentors either. Like a lot of people just kind of luck in and you, you find the right people along the way that can kind of like steer you in certain directions. Mm-hmm. I, I've been steered in the wrong directions a lot of the times growing up. So I can't be that hard on myself because if you're impressionable and you're young, like, you know, things aren't always going to go as you want them to. Of course. Yeah. Of course. There's no point. You could live in regret and resentment forever and then that'll just tear you apart. I know a lot of, I have family members. I know a lot of people that just their whole, every day is just up anger, resentment, you know, to oh, everybody yeah. else. It's just, it's, and it sucks to look at. Cause I'm like, fuck, I, I never want to be that. The worst is like Anthony Robbins talks about, he, he, whenever he has like a decision to make, he does, says he does his rocking chair test, which is where he's, you know, if I'm sitting in my rocking chair at 80 years old and looking back at this moment, is this a moment that I would have wanted to do, you know, X or Y or whatever it is. But like for me, I think about those people who just live their lives angrily all the time, mm-hmm. just always angry. And I'm like, fuck, I would hate to be laying in a palliative care hospital bed realizing like, oh, I was the angry fuck. Like I could have made a change. Like imagine fucking figuring that out so late in life where 
it's not going to make a huge fucking difference. You know, you're going to have to fucking remember your Facebook password so you can jump on there and reach out to everybody and make amends. Like my name is Earl, but like the senior citizen version, that'd be actually a great fucking movie. Some 80 year old who decides I was a crotchety cunt my entire life. And I'm going to spend my last three and a half weeks alive trying to make amends with <laughs> like a bucket list of, but it's just people you have to apologize. Like I was a horrible person to and, you. But he, or, he, or he dies before he starts. And he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Buys the no plane ticket. Know. No one will know. That's <laughs> so fucking funny. That would be a great movie. The whole movie, you're just watching them plan. They're booking everything, everything. Like they got the plane tickets. They end up leaving their family so much less because they spent all this money on on travel. They're like, he was a fucking prick right till the moment he died. He even blew all of his money so we'd have nothing. He didn't even make it to the reunion where he was going to apologize to everybody. Yeah. Had this big speech, bought a big fancy suit for it. That would be hilarious to just watch all of the attempt at making it right and then it just... No payoff. They're like, yeah, we didn't even inherit anything. He sold his house for this big thing he was going to do. Nothing happened. What a piece of shit. (laughs) What a loser. (laughs) I just don't ever want to be that person. I don't want to be that person who realizes way too late that there was shit you could change, work on, take accountability for, whatever. Which is also (laughs) interesting because it's like, which also suggests that you we're we're never going to get to a level where we're perfect anyway. Of course. There's always going to be something that you're like, I wish, but it's just like... Just being honest with yourself, yeah, and just being accountable, like to know that, yeah, of course you're still gonna you're still gonna fuck up a bunch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, dude, I, I have like a plethora of quotes because they just put shit together succinctly. But perfect is the enemy of good. You know what I mean? Like the more you try to make something perfect, it won't even end up being. Because you just keep nitpicking it. And just, just so trying to make it perfect prevents it from even being good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So just in, like like you said, we're we're hanging out in a condo, shooting the shit on a Sunday. You know. What, what what could be better? What could be better? Oh, nothing. <laughs> we get to go Absolutely. tell dick jokes tonight. Right. We get paid, and you get paid tonight. Tonight's a good chance. Then the week, good payday. So I've only got a couple questions left. One is since we're talking about you know being given bad advice or whatever and, and different advice, what advice would you give to a comic? Well, someone looking to get into comedy. So if someone's trying to get into comedy, what what advice would you give them? Mm. Besides don't, because all everyone's like, yeah, don't. Don't. Ad- <laughs> don't do it. Advice, I don't really know if I could, because like obviously, no, not obviously, I'm just trying to think career trajectory, because everyone's is so different. So I wouldn't have any advice on like, oh, you should do this or do that. But I, I would say is not try to evaluate yourself too quickly. It's common, like do a lot of sets before you even ask anyone for, for advice about your act. Because I find a lot of young comics will say, hey, can you watch me tell me this? It's just like, it won't, it won't serve you well at all. Like just get on there as much as possible for at least a year. And then like, by then you'll probably have a better idea. And just like, be honest with yourself, like trust what makes you laugh. Cause I found for me, I was always trying to please everyone. And so a lot of the darker stuff that I, I, I gravitate towards when I'm alone, I'm like, I, I wouldn't tell. And then right. I was just like, cause like, what if this person's watching or now it's just like, Oh, what does it matter? I can't make everyone laugh at all. So it's like, I, or I won't, I won't be happy if everyone is laughing for the wrong reason. I'd rather just like be true to the joke and then let that take care of itself. Right. Like I love Lauren McDonald. He's like one of my favorite comics. Whereas it's like that guy's constantly in an uncomfortable position, like makes people uncomfortable. It's just like, yeah. that's, that, that, but for me that, that took years of confidence to be like, and trial and error to be like, no man, just just say the joke. You know it's funny. 
like don't worry if it offends anyone but i, I was trying like always trying to toe that line when i was younger of like oh what if i got to do corporate what if i gotta do this and then you end up you know it's not as funny as it can be right yeah so that would that would be advice i would give and don't quit your day job right away either like you don't don't quit everything because like you're not going to get paid right away so like right like some guys will just quit and they're like i'm doing this full time i'm like okay well do you know what that means it's like you're going to plan these road trips then you're going to lose money on them it's just like if you don't have to, because obviously you're like, ah, fuck, I won't, I don't need to work. I'll just go, I'll just be a comic. It's like, well, hold on a second. In Toronto. Yeah. Cause <laughs> the, like, the most if, expensive city. Let's say you do that. And then you go to LA or New York. If you have ambition to go there, a hundred percent, you're going to have to get a job there. Cause you can't, you can't move to New York city and leave New York city. You have to stay there. So there's no income as a comic in New York right away. So you're going to have to work anyway. So it's just like, so just you know, put, put stuff in perspective. It's just like, because you're going to maybe have the job to save money so that you can do other things like, you know, buy cameras or travel. So just kind of, yeah, don't, you don't need to quit too quickly. Just take that money and reinvest it in yourself in whatever way right. you, need, you think you need to. I Do you record your sets? I don't record my sets at all. I, I record them. I don't, I haven't video recorded them. I just like I record the audio. If, if uh, I picked up something, I should. I've done that too, where I'll just grab it. But have you been recording your shows this week? audio but yeah i haven't recorded any video which is another thing is like don't don't do what i do which is record your, you should record your sets yeah. video have you i can't watch myself that's the thing is like, I, i've even recorded at times and i'm like i'm not gonna what, am I sit down and watch myself for 40 minutes and then do what what am i making notes on i'm just gonna sit there and hate the fact that i touched my face a bunch of times and why do i keep putting you know my hands in my pockets or, or whatever the fuck it is i'll but just sit you, there and judge myself yeah but we, we do lose a lot of those gold sets where you're like or some gold moments like we've had the last couple of days of like crowd stuff where you're like oh, that might have that could have worked on camera that could have worked on camera yeah and it would have made it for a great little fucking yeah. oh some of them are like well that would have been a viral moment that person's oh we had a six-month dating contract what yeah but i'm like but i know that i'm i'm like i'm too lazy to like sit down and edit it for an hour to get 30 second interesting clip or whatever that could have totally propelled my career like steph tolov like we were talking in the fucking what do you call it green room last night about how steph's viral you know her videos were what got her noticed by bill burr well i opened for her for the uh, that was actually one of, a really good moment of mine i had last year i opened for just for last in vancouver and we've been friends for like 20 years that's great and i was like can i record my set off your phone like because I, I, I won't have time to set mine up and then set yours up yeah. there's only one place to record it she's like yeah, yeah yeah just like just use my phone plug in the mic or use my my phone I, so i was going to record my set and then and then put her phone on to record her set and then i you I, tripped I, through the cables and the, I, unplugged everything i, fuck, <laughs> I fucked up her set no so she didn't record it and so what had happened was you had to focus it. Like, you know how you have to press the, the screen? It's all blurry for her. And the audio guy's like, he's like, I got it, I got it. So it just kept jumping around and becoming blurry. And she had a viral moment, like she does. So she comes up, she's like, she's watching. She's like, I can't fucking use any of this. And I felt like such a bag of shit. Because she's like, for sure this would have gotten, this is, this is, she had such a good interaction. And I was just like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> that's maybe that's one of my shitty moments. I, I love you. Like, I did have another good moment. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Josh. I had a good moment and then a shitty moment <laughs> at the same time. Him. Good moment opening for Steph Tolum. Shitty moment when I fucked up her, when I fucked up her video. <laughs> this all happened in, in a second. Walked off stage, a trip off the sound guy's like, hey, it's not bad for your first time. <laughs> not bad for your first time, yeah. <laughs> thanks, Steph. Can I open for you next time? Yeah, maybe not. Okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> 
Then she, but she's a good person. Oh, she's she probably great. No, was like, friends. ah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we're yeah. fine. We're, we're friends. She's great. I'm sure she, again, if anyone who's close with you knows you're a good guy. So they would know you would feel appropriately bad about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fucking feel like shits. <laughs> ogre fingers and fucking upper phone. Yeah, my God. Yeah. But yeah, so record, maybe that's advice. You record your stuff. That's good. Also, don't let Ephthemios touch your setup. Don't don't keep me anywhere near. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and just plug your shit into mine. Just make sure you, you put it back the way you found it. Nope. So you said a second relationship. Was it after the second relationship <laughs> that you... No, no, don't worry. We're not going to dive too deep into that one. You, you found someone else. Where, okay, two, two rapid fire questions. Where did you meet number two? Also, after... Both of them weren't at the show, but I met her after a show was at... It's called the Drake Hotel in Toronto. Okay. I've heard of it. They used to have a, a room down in the they basement, did, yeah. right? So I did the yeah, room yeah. downstairs and then we'd go to the patio on the roof and like, and you know, drink and have fun, whatever. So I met her there and then she ended up, she was in a relationship at the time, but she had my name and then it was like six months later that she found me and she's like, oh, I'm single now. And then that, that one was rapid fast. Like I, we got engaged very quickly. Like she was, How soon? like I would say six or seven months i could propose okay maybe eight months Proposed. does she have a only three in canada name what's that does she have a only three in, in she, canada she name? does yes seriously well <laughs> fuck you already did it once let's do no, it again, I'm not gonna do it again. So you don't know her first name you I'm, wouldn't i'm not giving her first all right name. will you tell me off off mic <laughs> the name's fascinating I, no. it's fascinating no they're both unique names so we're, i'll tell you off i'll tell you yeah after yeah, the show. yeah yeah so that one went quick and that one was kind of like oh you you can only do comedy until you're 50 and then you have to retire kind of that's thing, what she said kind of thing but i won't i won't blame the relationship on that but i just remember the comment about because of the first one with the trajectory it was just like oh you can't do comedy forever like you have to like settle down she's like so when do you think you'll be ready to have children and i <laughs> i was being half joking but i was also probably being serious i was just like oh 55 and she's just like all just flush like what so this, this was early in the relationship or after you were already engaged? We got engaged, called it off, and we got back together for like another year almost after, like six yeah. months later. And then it was just like never the same, never the same after the after you called it off. It's like right. it's, it's too late. And then again, she's I think she's married. She's I know she's married and she's kids. So that yeah, that didn't work out. But that one ha- ended quickly. It was it, it was like a fraction of the other one, lengthwise. How many years to total would you say? I say with her, I feel it was like it couldn't have been more than it was like two or three, maybe total. Like with everything, even with the, the back together year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. I think okay, total, like three. Let's say, yeah. So it was like a fucking whirlwind romance where you know, you get together, it's yeah. hot and heavy. All right, let's fucking get married. Exactly. Yeah. And she's like, you can only do stand up till you're fifty, and you're like. She's like, yeah, there's got to be, a, there's an eight, you can't do this forever kind of thing. You have to figure out what else you're going to do after that. And you're like, let's get married. You'd this, already is had, after, this is after, after engagement. Okay. Cause I was going to say, some chick is like, well, you can only, I'm like Rodney Dangerfield started in his fifties, didn't he? Like forties. Yeah. This was, but no, this was after we got together after the, we called it off. She's kind of like, okay, well, we're back together. Maybe we're not going to get married right away. We'll just be like partners for a long time. And then just slowly, slowly deteriorated. And then. Yeah, we were li- we were living together, and then I, I remember I had to I had a New Year's gig in like Muskoka Cottage Country, and for like a Tyler Morrison gig, and the day before we're we're, <laughs> we're staying at her parents' house because we just we just moved from one place and we're going to move to the other place, so we had like this buffer where we were going to stay with the parents for a little bit, and then so I have my pickup truck is just full with my stuff because like 
I'm like, tomorrow we got to drive up to this Muskoka gig for New Year's. She's just like, I don't think I'm going to go. And I don't think this is, uh, I, think, I think this is it. That's it. Just out of nowhere. You're, so she just there. dropped it on you? Yeah, she, it wasn't really a drop. I mean, we had already, it had already been pretty up and down. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I had to drive to this Muskoka gig in a snowstorm with like, my pickup truck rammed with like Rubbermaid boxes with just my stuff. Oh, you're like I'm moving go. out. I had nowhere to go. So like I, I had no place to stay. So I was just like driving in the snowstorm in this pickup truck with me and the other comic and, and everything is just packed to the fucking the roof with all my shit. So, wow. What a, what a way to do it to you. I didn't get this gig, but to get your shit out of here too. Yeah. Today's the day. Yeah. New Year, right? She's like, oh, it's a new year. So fresh. Oh, that's so, so for her, it was a resolution or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. No, but it was time. She made the right call. She should have, she should have walked away a lot earlier. <laughs> sure. But I mean, fuck, you can't let me do the gig and come back. I gotta, I gotta go figure out a gig and all my shit at the same time. Well, I had to, yeah, I had to pack my shit at her parents' house. So they're there somewhere. Like they lived on some, a piece of big land. So like, you're just kind of doing this. <laughs> you lived with her and her parents? I, it was literally so we, we were living in an apartment and then we decided that we were not going to stay at that apartment anymore so now we're like she's like well we're near to my parents let's just move our stuff there until we find another place so in that it was not that long we're literally like a few days at her parents house and then i'm like i got we got this new year's gig so i'm going to drive up there so actually it's a christmas everything's fucked up this time of year and then she's like, I'm "Not gonna go. I don't. I don't think this is this is gonna turn into anything of significance with us." So I had to like pack it all in front of her, and then just kind of slowly drive away. <laughs> and it's, it's they just sitting all they're all sitting on the porch drinking uh, coffee, watching you just lug fucking busted ass Rubbermaid yeah, pack. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> the look on your face was like, <laughs> "Love that!" And I love their family. They're like, uh, they're the, like the best. There's great people, and which is always hard in a relationship if you if you get along with the family. It's just. Uh, not everyone. You you don't always hit the lottery on that, but I did with her family. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's depressing. These are your questions. <laughs> no, hey, and I'm just joking. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's it's life, right? It's stuff yeah. that people go through. Like it's it's. I'm sorry that that happened. So was it after that? I feel like that? these questions are now making you think of your stuff too. So oh, always. I can feel that. Too. Always. But I, but I had it there. Like, so I didn't realize you were engaged twice. I didn't oh. realize that. So like earlier, you're like after the second relationship is when you moved to Vancouver. Is that, that had anything to do with it? Were you like, I need to get a fresh spot or, or like what? Maybe why did you decide to move to Toronto? Maybe unconsciously it was in the back of my head. But no, I just... I, I I did this. I did my, an acid trip for the first time in Toronto. Like uh, after that's that breakup. Okay. And it kind of, not to like big up acid, but it did kind of like reset a part of me. It was just like, it just took a lot of the worry. It just made everything smaller. Okay. And because my friends were like, oh, come out west, like check it out. And I w- I would be going and doing runs out west, but I was just like, I was out there and some shows fell through and it. Just gave me some perspective to be like, oh, maybe I'll just stay out here. Like I like it out here, and then I, I just never, I never came back. I didn't have, I didn't move to Vancouver. I just stayed in Vancouver. Really? Because now, like all, it's all that stuff. So I that had. was part of my question: is like, how does one prepare to move? You were just there, and you're like, fuck all my shit back home. So all my shit. So I moved out with her, right? So I, I, I take all my shit. I mm-hmm. move back home. And then I just like, I'm just going to go on the road as often as possible, right? So I started. I went to Vancouver. And Alberta, and I went to Saskatchewan. In between that time, I went there twice. 
So I was home with my parents, but not really. It was just kind of like in transition. So all my stuff's just sitting there in their basement, whatever, uh, in these boxes. And then I do a run in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and then Vancouver. And then, sorry, Alberta, Vancouver. And then some gigs fell through and some comics just kept giving me gigs to keep me out there to make up for the money I lost in this Alberta gig. Right. And then I was just like, oh, fuck it. I'm staying. Like, I was just like, I didn't. I didn't even tell my parents right away. I'm just like, I live in Vancouver now. I just stayed. Did you have like someone who's like, oh, you can be my roommate or oh, whatever? Oh, yeah. My buddy, Chris Griffin. Oh, yeah. I was just, I was living with Oh, okay, him. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah, like best buds out there. Just li- yeah, I was just living with him in like this small small apartment, whatever. It was great. Yeah, I never went, never came back. And how long ago was that? Twenty. That was twenty end of 2016. And I wrote okay. a, a one-man show called Disengaged. Right. And I debuted it that year, and I performed it at the Vancouver in Montreal and Toronto. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, talked about calling off two weddings and then moving to Vancouver. And then like, I, I found someone there. I was in a relationship there for a bit. And then yeah, that was you didn't get engaged that time. Didn't get engaged. No, people just always think I'm going to get engaged anytime I'm in. A, <laughs> they're waiting. I for mean, the, I, like it's it's funny. It's hilarious. But yeah, I'm like, I'm not, I would uh, say eventually you learn your lesson, and you're like, I'm going to wait until I'm sure. Yeah. Have you been in a few relationships out there, or just the one? Just the one, yeah. yeah. I, there's no judgment. <laughs> just, just, the one. just the one, yeah. Well, that's cool. Dated a lot of people? I no, actually, I would say I haven't really dated a lot in the last like couple of years. Would I say a couple of years? I haven't had a girlfriend. I haven't had someone like oh, I'm st- steady or I'm seeing or exclusive. Right. I haven't had anything that, that nothing really of substance. Just sport fucking. I wouldn't even call it that. <laughs> there's nothing really going on. I've just been focused on like trying to finish school and then yeah taking it easy but nothing yet yeah, nothing serious yeah nothing on the horizon is what it is my experience has never been i'm not the kind of person to do like a one night stand or anything but you're a tall good looking dude comedy I, I could see women throwing themselves at you after a show i've had women help come up to me after the disengaged show i'm like did you not just watch the show like what do you think is happening here it's like that's so so honest i'm like yeah yeah but it also, was it was it is yeah. it's also like yeah but <laughs> They're just seeing through the show. That was like, did you? But did you watch it? Right? You did listen to the parts where I called out two engagements, like recently. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, talking about it, it sounds like yeah. there was two relationships that. And forgive me for my armchair position of just listening. Is like these are two people who were like, didn't sound like they really believed in what you were doing because they're like, you have. It's like they gave you a timeline of like, well, you you can do it until this time. It's like, yeah, but what? Mm. Like George Carlin did it till the day he died. That's what I would like to do. I would like to do this until I'm dead. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm just going to do it. It's not a means to an end to me. Like, do you, some people even now get into standup because they want to be in movies. And I'm like, oh, then God, go, uh, go audition for movies. I don't, I like doing standup. That's why I'm doing standup. Yeah, no, I don't really, I don't want to act at all. I did, but I don't really care for it now. But I would if it was offered to me, but it's not my goal. Yeah, it's another career. That's a different career. Yeah. It's, it's, acting is not the same as comedy. It's like asking me to, to start singing. Like, I'm not a singer. I would say, so I would not put it all on them that not believe in me. It's just like, there is a portion of they believed in me as much as I was believing in me. So it's just like, because like, there isn't, I haven't done everything I need to do to be more successful on, let's say, on, you know, there's things I could be doing more for my own career. So, and like, I was obviously going through this period of like, I'm up and down, like, what do I really want? How do I want this to look? So I, 
I think the more you believe in yourself, like it's it's very clear if they're on board or not. But like if you're kind of wavering or you're not sure where you're at, then it's just kind of almost gives them an out. Like it's just like, well, I'm on board as much as you're on board. But if you're not on board, then I'm not on board at all. Like it's kind of, it's kind of weird. So it's, it is a two way street. I, so I don't want to put it all on them on the they didn't believe in me, but because like I, I don't yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean it that ugly like oh they don't believe in you but I but I mean it, it's it's like I I didn't have the same experience that you did with family where it was like oh it's a cute thing but then you're like oh I want to take it seriously like what the fuck's wrong with you like I yeah. I didn't have that I was the last person in my life that thought I should do comedy right you know what I mean everybody else is like oh you should do it you should do it my mother used to say it like when I was in elementary school and I would get in trouble she would tell my principals oh well what if he grows up to be a famous comedian so like my mom was like my the 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 job I had when I started stand up tried to force my hand mm-hmm. and I told them like if you're they're like when's this comedy phase going to be over and I'm like I'm like I I actually enjoy it you think no anybody gives a fuck what I'm doing selling cell phones like but they're like well we need you here we need you to stay focused with us and it's like it's going to be it's going to be us or that I'm like if you force my hand you're not going to like what I choose mm. you know what I mean and they did and so my mom was like listen if you want to move home you can stay here rent free if you pursue comedy she's like I'll support that she's like I'm on board so I had the support from family that's like, you know, go and do it, you know? So I guess I, I've always had that. But again, the, the second most important person to me, which was my partner was early on was like, I don't know if I want to be with some of that. So it, it made me doubt wanting to chase something because I also yeah. like, it was the first important relationship in my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was, it was really yeah. hard to, to chase something that meant pushing something else away. So as much as I, I can't say that she wasn't supportive, she wasn't like, you're not funny. And then, you know, throughout the course of a relationship, she's gotten more supportive, but that shit always sits with you. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to be with someone who's going to be gone or whatever, especially since the point of my career where I'm, I don't leave for long periods of time. I love longer in marketing to do marketing tours right. than I have for stand up. So I don't know. I just, it's one of those things where I guess if it's there that that person's not not really on board with it that they're not like you chase you do what you got to do like i do what i love you do what you love yeah yeah so in that regard no i didn't have that either like yeah. i didn't have like full support but yeah it definitely puts like some doubts in your head you're like well if this per- like maybe i shouldn't be doing this there's a lot of that like oh maybe maybe i should do something else or right yeah but like you said like it's it's a part of who we are like yeah. you can't can't not do that but thing i've also been on the road a lot too so it's like that's also hard too on a relationship it's like you have to be with someone that's like cool with you being on the road or feels comf- comfortable with you being gone yeah, right that's not easy either so well it can always be a means to an end it's like you know hey someday maybe i'll make enough from this that you get to come too mm-hmm. and we get to enjoy different places and travel right while working that would be great yeah definitely eh. so uh so last question which wasn't even on my list, but you were talking about the the visa, man. How did uh, so you have a visa? You can go and work in the states anytime you want. I have a visa right now. Yes, well, I think it renews after every, every so often, but yeah, what it automatically renews? Or? No, no, you got to like apply for it again. But I have a visa now. It's it's like a cash twenty two. So the I had a visa. This is the second run through, but the first one expired during COVID, so I right. lost a lot of uh, opportunities, but. And then now I'm in school, so it's just like I have to. Once school's done, I'll be able to to travel. And do is stuff. this is this the one that only allows you to do stand up, or is this where you can go and live in the states if you want? No, it's just for it's just for doing stand up. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't have a green card or anything like that. But is that what the one? The green card? Green is the... cards, you can live there, and you're just you're not quite a citizen, but you can do whatever you but want. But you can get a job at Starbucks yeah, to yeah. support you doing stand up at insurance night. Insurance number. Or, well, you can do it anyways, but yeah, you can just do whatever you want. Right. Whereas yeah. the ones I know that there's one where it's like you can do stand up and nothing else. Like right. that's the only that's thing. You're, is that is one. that what you have? Yeah, yeah. Is it expensive? Yeah, it's expensive. You feel like throwing a number out? No, it's just because it's also, it's more, this one's like, it's like a, I, I can't get into this. View. It's, yeah. Is this the circus one? No, it's not the circus one. Okay. You, but you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. not the green card. That's a, no, that's, that's just, just a that's different. A, that's a, that's a, that's a, called a P1. P1. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you can have a P1 is where it's like a group of like you're, you're, you have a visa with a bunch of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had your O one is the one. That is just your visa. Yeah, you can just go to do that and do stand up or whatever. I've heard that that one is around like 5K to get. Yeah. So I also did it. I also was, I was, do, I was do, got my visa with Comedy Records. So it's like, it's not, it's a different, it's a different setup. I, I won't really get into it here, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's not a straight up, wasn't a straight up. I'm just going to go get a visa. But, yeah. but if you wanted to, you could set up a bunch of weekends in a row with clubs and go and work technically. Yeah. If I, yeah, if I so choose, I could try a middle or something, you know, I'm not going to headline every club down there because there's love, there's tears, but, and you know, I have a huge following. So, right. But I mean, even to just like in my, like, I don't know, something stern in me right now, where I'm like, I would love to go down to the States for like a month and just drive from city to city showcasing for some of those clubs go, you know, when can I come back? Or, you know, do you have any paid stuff, whatever? I'll use it for gas to the next fucking city. Yeah. So my goal would be like, yeah, once I graduate is, which sounds weird. I'm, I'm MMA 40, but I'm, I'm going to graduate first. And then like, you can go down to Seattle, maybe showcase there, or, you know, make, make something good, make a, a trip out of it. Yeah. That's but, it. Just Seattle. Not Seattle. Like I have done, I performed. I live Miami. close to New York, so I, I'm probably going to go down Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to live in the States. That's the problem. So I would never live in the States. Never. Why? I just don't like it. I don't like. It's I fair. Don't like it. I don't want to live in Toronto. I don't like it. Well, I, it's and I know it's something that if I want to grow. But even listening to my Toronto comic friends, they're like, "Yeah, there's only so much work, and then you got to go to the states anyway. So why, why start here if I can just immediately go down? Like I've already got American comic friends that could introduce me to people. So why not just go down there and start? Right. You know what I mean? If I'm gonna if I'm gonna jump in with both feet, which has been a very long time since I've I've done, why not? Just go down and start. Why, why come here and waste five years fucking around in Toronto before I have to go down and start again anyways? Yeah, if you're going to just start again anyways, then yeah, definitely go to New York or something. Yeah, like, I'll, just, I'll just drive every weekend. Just head down there. Yeah, yeah, every weekend, seven hours, but at least it's probably cheaper than fucking living there. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to pick a spot, it seems like you're more inclined to New York than the West Coast, right? Yeah. It's just that it's close in the population density yeah. because like Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, like all of those places are still relatively close. Yeah. And I've had gigs in Philly and, and New Jersey. I would, I did a show and I was at Connecticut and I, and I took the train back to New York for a midnight gig at the New York comedy clubs. So it's like you have all those around there. You're right. But you need the P one or no, O-1. that's the, you just need, yeah, the you, you just need the government to acknowledge that you, you work, you're allowed to work in the States. Yeah. So it's not as hard as the green card where you got to get a bunch of people to write shit for you. And- you still got to get people to write shit for you. The green card is just, it's a lot more work to get done. So the, so, okay. I'll, I'll, I won't make it podcast stuff cause it's probably boring for them to listen to, but I would, I would 
pick your brain about like, Hey, what about this? And how do you do that? And whatever it is. Cause I find that stuff fascinating. Like ultimately I would rather be in the States. I feel like the American culture appreciates stand up more than Canadian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have a lot of talent up here, but I think that they are way more inclined to listen to, to comedy and they want the comedy as opposed to up here where there's five cities that do it. And you know, they're $800 plane tickets between each one of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. well we got one show left i'm gonna there's no point plugging the the dates here because this episode people anytime someone googles your name they'll find this and they'll be able to listen to to some stuff about you is there anything that you want to tell people or anything that we didn't we didn't establish what do you what are you studying now philosophy right yeah that's really been my focus for the last few years so it's it's weird because like i haven't i haven't really been doing a lot of stuff on the road so but yeah this is just something i've kind of really dedicated myself to, to finish things. So, so forgive me for asking, cause it's going to, I don't know how to say it without it sounding like, like judgmental or whatever, but I'm, I am, I'm fascinated. What do you do, do with it? That's yeah. What, what do you do ask. with this, the philosophy degree it's not now that what, it's done? It's not what I do with it. It's what it's done for me already. So it's like, it's, it's just personal growth. It's just like knowing myself more. I, you're listen, philosophy is, society is built off of philosophy of course of course everything so it's just more it's an expansive way it's it's changed the way like you know you're writing differently you're thinking differently it's just it's a challenge of finishing this degree so it's not necessarily and everyone asks that like what are you going to do with this right it's not so i can go out and get a job it's right 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 it's just a personal growth thing for myself it's like going to therapy almost where you're like, I'm just looking at re retooling and re understanding how my brain works. So with philosophy, it's, it's changing perspectives and things like that for yourself. Well, the whole world, like it's, you're just kind of like any, well, as a comedian, we have ideas. So we're often philosophizing in a sense of trying to see the world through our eyes and like bringing that to the stage. Whereas philosophy, you're just taking those ideas and you're also finding a way or you're learning how to expand on those ideas and and write about those ideas and 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 explain them back to people but also for yourself you're just expanding your mind really that's that's the main reason right right right. yeah no like if you want to get it's like are you getting into law school obviously that's the first that's another question for last because a lot of people do you need philosophy for law you should definitely have a philosophy base to be a lawyer yeah definitely i mean it's 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 comes from philosophy okay as does everything else medicine ethics all our morals, how to build a society, politics, all rooted in right. the, the, the OGs of philosophy. The OGs of philosophy. Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato. That's where it all kind of started. Who's your favorite between those three? And uh, who belongs on the Mount Rushmore as the fourth? As the four, that's not even my fourth. My, I wouldn't even. I don't really have a Mount Rushmore. No, but I'm saying that your average mouth breather would be should be able to say, you know, Aristotle, Socrates, and, and Plato. Yeah, and those Plato. are. Yeah, and I don't really have a. I, I like Aristotle. I like Aristotle. They're all. Yeah, I mean, they're all great. I mean, Socrates. Plato's just his writings is based off Socrates. But my favorite philosopher is uh, his name is Soren Kierkegaard. He's a Dutch philosopher from the 1800s. He's really good. He's really good. He's, he, he's a birth what are his hits? Existentialism. It's kind of like meaning and everything. When you've, so when you, any, all the self help, like all that kind of stuff is just, uh, you know, cherry pick from like philosophers from, let's say the last 150 years. Like yeah. Kind of talk about finding meaning and your existence, yourself, like finding your real, your true self. That's all, that's all based on philosophy or 
Dostoevsky's another philosopher. He's a writer, but yeah, that's all that stuff. There's like that's the core where it all comes from, existentialism. Yeah, big good stuff. <laughs> you have a whole podcast on that. But. <laughs> well, I love that stuff. I got a bunch of philosophy books home, and and someday I'll read them. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get like I gotta basically every big concept thing. I need to get a the for dummies version, even though I don't have it. I have a bunch of philosophy books at home that I. I there, you know what it is? Just studying is just so you can learn how to read those. Because it's I, I, I tried to read any of that stuff on my on own. On its own? Okay. Oh, you're, I'm lost. Yeah. So it's just kind of like rereading it and studying it and how to, to, to understand what they're saying. Because it takes a while. Because like, a, a lot of these writers, it's originally written in another language. So it's, it's very dense. And they're not the best writers. They just have these ideas. Right. So you kind of have to like get through the muck to kind of get to the bottom of it. When you're in school for philosophy, are you taking like a bunch of other courses or is it like I go to school every day for my philosophy class? You have to take, you do have to take prerequisites. Like you have to take some stuff like you have to take two science courses, a couple English courses to get your credits for, for school. So, so what did you take? I got like some fucking seeing space from the orbit of earth. That was a science class I had to take. I wanted to find the easiest fucking science class. Seeing space. How how that's many classes could that? That's a year of seeing oh, seeing well, Earth from like, space. It's, it's all on satellites and how they work and and, and how the, how we used to navigate the Earth through the stars. And it's like all the details. Some really cool things. That's the easy one. That's that the easy. Like astronomy one. sounds difficult. It's, I have an astronomy book at home too. No astronomy. <laughs> astronomy is harder than I thought because it's yeah it's. I'm not going to take chemistry. I wasn't going to take biology or physics because it's like... Physics been, would make my head explode. I haven't been in school forever. I haven't been in school in 20 years. <coughs> so I can't take any science class. And then like I have like a, a theater class I got to take this last semester. So. They make you take theater for philosophy? Well, you have to take... So you do the Hamlet? Every arts program, you have to take some English credits. So it's like an English, English credit requirement. Okay. Yeah. What were the English courses you took? The first one was... Learning how to, it was like, it was on academic writing, how to write like an academic paper. And uh, it was on video games and diversity. It okay. had a theme. Okay. So I had a whole class on diversity and video games. And like, This Is Us, is that a game? The Last of Us. The Last of Us. This, this Is Us. That was a TV show this is us. with inclusivity so as well. A lot, a lot of this was based on the. the yeah, I would, the game. as soon as you said show, diversity and video games, the first thing in my head is Last of Us Part Two had so much diversity in it. Yeah, so Last of Us. Which this is before the show came out. So mm-hmm. this is was you have no idea how much I've talked about the Last of Us on this podcast. Oh. So my audience are going to go, "How the fuck did he find a way in this conversation?" So to I talked the about the Last of Us, and then uh, so I finally saw the Last of Us because I garbage did. again. We're right into the yeah. I won't. Don't worry, onesies. I won't talk. Such about a good it. show and Bad. so good. <laughs> did you play the games? No, no. That's that why. Be. That's why you think it was a good show. Okay. Yeah. That would make a difference, yeah. I can imagine the, the yeah. storylines. L- literally, the, the 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 interview I did before this with McLennan, half the uh, the fucking podcast was about uh, the will. Last of Us show, and I was so I I don't know, like this is so, dude. You have no idea how funny it is that <laughs> didn't go anywhere fucking near it. And then you're like, yeah, the diversity, diversity <laughs> video games, yeah. The the this is us, I'm like the Last of Us. You're like, yeah, the show was so good. I'm like. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> but I, I, what are the odds? <laughs> I forgot about that course. It's so funny. I will say this. It's only because my listeners don't want to hear me talk about I it will, anymore. I will say this. I know in the video game, they never explored the gay relationship between uh, the, the those two the two guys that kind of they get supplies from in the first. They did if you picked up... So, like So you've played that type of video game before, right? I've never like played... Like shooters? Not, yeah, I've played first shooter games, but I haven't but, played this game at all. So in, in, in this one, what happens is... is 
you just know that Bill had a partner yeah. who got sick of him and left and left. Right. So, but if you're playing and you're walking around in rooms and you're picking up supplies for shit, if there's notes, if you pick it up and you read what it okay. says, you, you read like a note from Frank saying like, all you wanted to do was survive and, and you know, right. like I wanted to have a life together and you weren't for that. You were this. So the TV, the, one of the things that I talk about quite a lot is how they change the dynamic of those characters. So you're seeing in the show. Yeah. And you're like in the game, like they that. never explored it. Yeah. Well, they, they did give you opportunities to, to see what happened, except in the, the game, that character was more of a juxtaposition of Joel being the kind of guy who was just trying to survive. Right. And here's an example of a guy who had someone and he right. was just trying to survive and that pushed them away. Uh. So because they never did that in the show, instead it was just an episode about LGBTQ. And as, as much as it was a lovely story, the role that it served for the story was not the same as it did in the game. In the game, all of these encounters that you see mm -hmm. were all with Joel and Ellie. Right. So Joel and Ellie and Bill are walking through this town where he set booby traps everywhere and whatever. Okay. They spend a lot of time together okay. and, and he's kind of in a fatherly role telling Ellie and Bill to stop fighting with each other. So he's forced to be a parental role, which is more of the whole him identifying her with his daughter that died. And then also at the same time, seeing this guy who's just focused on surviving, no, no friendliness, no what, whatever. You know, so it's kind of like it forced him to to be in a parental role with Ellie. You know, hey, you guys, knock it off. You know, playing the the parent parent of just you two stop fighting, and then at the same time seeing this guy who lost the only person he cared about because his focus on survival was so much so that so it actually had an infinitely more important role oh, character good. development in the game, and then the show all it is is we're watching two gay guys that just that Joel Joel and Ellie never them. met. Right? right, so our characters are Joel and Ellie. So how does an hour with these two gay guys when they just leave them a note saying, "Oh, if you love someone, protect them." Tess and the episode before, "Oh, if you, you know, we we protect as many as we can." You know, the episode before where we get a flashback to his daughter dying. Like we didn't have to be. It, literally, every episode ends with you being spoon fed. Like, oh, he better take care of Ellie. We're like, we get it. They didn't have to do that in the game, and we still understood it. And instead, we got a bunch more time with our protagonists and seeing him kind of. You know what I mean? It, it, listen, it's not a new story. It's planes, trains, and automobiles. It's fucking due date, Rain Man. It's we're going across the country on an adventure. We're going to end up close by the end. Right. You know what I mean? So, you, you but that's talk, why I didn't talked about. This oh, a few dude, times. dude. We, we won't get <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Again, I onesies. It's it's easeful, but I can understand why you like the show. The show wasn't the worst adaptation of a, of a video game, but in terms of diversity in the the game, the second one, The Last of Us Part Two, which you haven't seen any of on the show right the game is is incredibly diverse there's trans people there's lesbians there's every there's so many different there's so much diversity in the just the race of like the people that you're killing so instead of it being like a bunch of white guys whatever you have you have asians you have men you have women you have you have black people like you have there's there's so many different types of people and even all your protagonists are essentially and you can kill all of them if you want you really can nice you really can <laughs> you can you can equality through murder but but the second game in, in like absolutely has an infinite amount of diversity. That's that's uh, in what it, that which course, was great. The course focus on that second because uh, the professor was a as a gaming uh, not as all, and she's she's has disabilities. So for her, it's all about inclusivity because I guess games are varying so much now in like levels. 
Sure. So like, it's not just, you don't have to play the hardest level. Like if you have. Yeah. Difficulty. Yeah. Difficulty. Right. So yeah. you can make it a little bit easier for every more inclusive for everyone. Yeah. I don't know anything about video games, but anyway. Well, the last of us part two, not only did they have that other stuff, but in terms of inclusivity, they actually added a ton of colorblind modes in the game. They, they have a bunch of difficulty settings. They have a bunch of controller differences. So for example, like if you have bad visibility, everything on the screen is in grayscale, except enemies will be red. You're like gold items on the ground are green so it's like literally you can just be looking at the screen and it's like okay red's coming towards you you're gold you can see things that really stand out because in the regular play it's it's too hard to see but that was all designed for inclusivity so people with accessibility like you know if you if you have cerebral palsy or something you can't hit the buttons very fast a lot of games with quick time events are doing that where it's like oh press square press x like you have to do it quick it gives you more time and things like that so to be inclusive right right yeah, so that's what that that course was about. But yeah, did you enjoy that course? It was it was it caught me off guard because I didn't know I was going to be taking such a di- like a course on diversity right off the bat. But because uh, I knew the campuses would be are different now, right? They're more they're more that way. They're more diverse, inclusive than when I was in school twenty years ago. Mind you, I was at, I went to York, so that was already kind of a that was always a diverse school to begin with, but. But yeah, so that's a course now, diversity in video games. No, not just diversity. No, the course is on academic writing, but the professor chooses the theme of what academic writer we're going to focusing on. Oh, I see. And she chose that's her that's her expertise. Diversity in video games. Literally, that's her thing. Diversity. So in every games. single person in that class wrote a paper about diversity in video games. Yeah, so I had to write one on The Last of Us and comparing that to I think I think Tomb Raider, some other the Lara Croft character. Right. Yeah, anyways. But were you writing on the game or the show? We're writing on the the, the games. Yeah, the games. So, I, there, there was no show when that course came out. I see. The show had not been released yet. So, so I only I only know about the second season of The Last of Us, the game, and the first season I only know from the show. Yeah. I see. So you because you know the second game, you know what's going to happen in the second season. I I know that there's I know some of the relationship stuff, but I don't know I don't know any big details. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and now we're, now it's kind of becoming. We're going to start talking about the last. No, no, no. I've already said enough. I That's just. Hilarious. But for you mentioning, like, oh, I like this thing. And the thing is about the show is, if you don't know anything about the game, I can see how it would be enjoyable. But a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't like this much. Like, it's not a bad story. It's just if you take a story like, I think there was nine episodes, and if you play the game on the easiest setting, you can get through it in about eight to nine hours. Oh, okay. It is very, it is very cinematic. It is very rich storytelling. So the thing was in, in the show, they would take an episode and instead of just having everything kind of happen the same way it has in the game narratively, like it's game versus a show, there's going to be differences, but because it's, it's story-wise they could have done the same eight, nine hours on TV and it would have been a great story. Instead, you get a whole episode where they expand on characters that weren't in that, that, that didn't have any backstory in the game and it didn't affect the story because in the game it was just, these are bandits that you need right. to kill. Okay. But in the show, oh, it's Henry killed my father and had my father. It's like the, it's all this expansion on nothing. And instead of getting an hour with our protagonists, we're getting an hour with side people that are going to be dead by the end of the episode anyways, because they, their, their existence in the first place in the game right. was to be some level of, of contrast to Joel's position and the outside world. Like, Hey, you remember like, you know, you were like this, but like that, if you keep down this route, this can happen to you. So, you know what I mean? Like he learned through seeing these contrasts on his way. Whereas in the show, he's not 
witnessing any of this stuff. We're just, yeah. we're as the audience, just staying with these other people. At the end of the episode, someone just says to him, Hey, you better take care of people you love. You know what I mean? And he's right, like, right. yeah, I get it. Everyone's telling me that shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, that's what I didn't like about the show. It was not that, the, that, that these interesting little episodes about other groups of people aren't, aren't well-written and aren't, you know, well-told. Yeah. It's just that we are sacrificing time with our protagonists in exchange for that. So when we get to the end and we're supposed to put ourselves in the protagonist's shoes, we've barely spent any time with them. And so it doesn't seem as meaningful. Whereas when you're playing the game, you are Joel and you're with Ellie for like nine hours. So you have conversations, you're walking and talking and you're learning more about those characters. So they're endearing themselves to you. You know what I mean? And Joel and Ellie are with these other people from the show. So we see how, how they're taking it in. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, sure. It was a fine show, but it, uh, it's almost like the nerdy version of saying, oh, well the game was much better than the book or whatever, you know, uh -huh. the book was much better than the movie. Well, yeah. Anyways, I, uh, I think this was a good podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, Fucking look at that gang. We almost made it through the entire thing without the last of us almost. coming up somehow. Yeah, somehow. And then you're like, yeah, video game diversity. And I, I, like I said, silently in my head, I'm going, yeah, like the last of us part two had a lot of diversity. And you're like, yeah, like this is us. I'm like the last of us. Ah, oh, for fuck's sakes, Whoa. dude. I can't like, you're going to hear palpably the, the audience's eye rolls. The second they hear those words come out of my mouth, the, the last, last of us. <laughs> like, no, no, don't do it. <laughs> No, don't do it. But they're just listening to me live explaining to you. But that's cool for someone who hasn't seen both. Ryan McGlenop was the sweetest about it. He's like, you know what? It's their, it's their game and their story. And if they want to change, they got to go, fuck you for making me sound like a fucking angry fat nerd. Dude, I appreciate you doing this. Oh, thank you, man. I had a great thank time. Thank you. I'm, I'm disappointed. It's like, great talk. It's our last show tonight. You know, yeah. you're gone tomorrow. I know, it's sad. Yeah, is what it is. And you're going to go back to Vancouver and quit comedy. Yeah, this is it. No, I'll be... I'll be back anyway. For those of you hearing this, this is going to come out on Friday. Okay. So you're going to be in Ottawa. In Ottawa. So my my Wednesday podcast that I release, I'll be sure to plug it and let everyone know that you're in Ottawa to to see it and that your episode's coming out nice. on Friday. But I appreciate the chat, man. You got to you're going to have a one man podcast episode now. Let's the do people it. could do I'm it. Excited. Where do you do you have anywhere you want people to follow you? They can just follow me on Instagram if they can spell my name, but go for it you can say it and let's see how close they get ephthimios nesiopolis yeah oh by the way the episode will have his name in it so you could use that as, as a plug plus i'm going to put links to your instagram or anything do you have any like albums or anything that i can i can link to on spotify or something yeah both my albums you can find on spotify and on yeah. apple or itunes whatever. I, I forgot to ask this too but i'm going to try to find parts in our episode i really should have been writing down little sound notes but do I have your permission to snag a couple bits oh, yeah. and I'll, I'll pepper them into the episodes so they can hear your stand up? Snag away. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. So I'll have an outro one where they'll, they'll, they'll hear okay, something cool. we'll yeah, throw yeah. to it. Awesome. Do, what do you, what do you, is there a bit you think should be the, the last one I play? You can throw to that and that'll give us a nice exit. You, you know, the first bit on my second album, uh, the, the title of it, Don't Worry Speaks English, you could just play that bit. I mean, or. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, I'm trying to think what's on there. That'll be good. Or the school shooters joke, but that might be a little bit too much for the... No, my audience is fine with everything. Okay. That's a good joke, too. Yeah. Okay. Cool beans. Well, thanks for doing this, buddy. Thanks, brother. I, my last relationship, though, before the pandemic didn't work out, and, you know, we were together for a couple of years. We didn't have the same love language. I know, right? Do you guys, do you guys know that there's a thing called love languages? Yeah. 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 Usually you find out for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is happening with this relationship? It's really falling apart. And then you watch a show and like, maybe you don't have the same love language. You're like, holy fuck. Why didn't you tell me this? 
when I started this relationship until now, when I resent him as much as possible. But there's five love, five love languages, right? There's words of affirmation, physical touch, my favorite. Uh, there's acts of service, and I uh, forget the other two. That's part of the problem. I didn't even know what they were. Mine was English, wasn't on the list, and... So she was mad. She's like, we don't have the same love language. So she's like, you know, you're not very emotional. So she downloaded a feelings wheel. I swear to God, it's like, and we, she put a magnet on it. It was on our fridge. So a feelings wheel is like that. It's like a big, it's like a wheel of fortune wheel. And like each wedge, each wedge is its own feeling. But as you get further away from the middle, it's like any kind of feeling. It's like, are you angry or are you distressed or are you upset? Which feeling are you? There's like a thousand fucking feelings on this thing. So she would tell me, she's like, what feeling are you today? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, on the wheel, touch the wheel, show me where you're at. I'm like, I don't, I don't have a wheel. I don't have that many feelings. I don't even know what that one is. She's like, pick a feel. I don't have that many. I have, I have two feelings. I have like shit and okay. Like, it's not. It's not a wheel, babe. It's a boomerang. It's like, I flip it. I, if it doesn't kill me, I'm not shit. That's it. I don't have a... She's like, you know what your problem is? You have a brick wall blocking your heart, and I want to get inside and fix it. I want to get inside your wall. I'm like, I don't have a wall. It's insane. It's like, you have a wall. I'm like, I don't have a wall. I have a wall blocking my heart. And it turns out I have a wall. And, uh, <laughs> turns out I have a wall. But... <laughs> Men, we are emotionally closed off. You know, we don't live in a society that encourages this, so we build up walls. We're closed off to our emotions. But I'll tell you this, man. I didn't always have a wall. I just used to be an empty field where I would just run around with my genitalia hanging out, doing backflips, playing with caterpillars and fucking having a great time. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, one day someone stabs you in the back. So, you know, I added, I added a fence, you know. But people would jump my fence and shit my field. So, you know, I added some razor wire and then I built a moat filled with piranhas and they added this beautiful I've added this beautiful retaining wall and uh, you know it was level first time out and then one day you fall in love she's like let's tear down this wall I want to get inside so we tear down the wall we drain the swamp we cut a hole in the fence and now my field is weeds no one's been in there forever and then we're just in the field with the weeds and then one day she stabs me in the back anyways now I have snipers on the north tower and on the south tower, pointing in a crisscross pattern. I've built a grass maze filled with lions and tigers that rip your arms and legs off. But ladies, from the outside, it looks like a garden. It's beautiful. There's this little crepe place. It's, it's gorgeous. It's like it's always brunch. It's like 24 hours mimosas. It's always golden hours, so you can take selfies from any angle. It's perfect. If you get through the maze, which no one does, there's just a projection of my Greek mother, and she challenged you to cook off. But that's a trick question. No one cooks better than her, so you get poisoned to death. The trick is you have to tell her, teach me your ways. And then she rips off her mustache and she shows you how to make baklava. And then she just points to a tower in the back. And you're like, there's three towers. Which tower is he in? Obviously, the one with all the red flags on top. <laughs> if you get to the top of the tower, though, there's no monster or dragon. There's just a room full of mirrors that show you that you've been the monster the whole time and you kill yourself by jumping off the tower. Anyways, trying to fit that onto the feelings wheel, but I'm not too sure what color it is. So it's my opening paragraph on Bumble, so we'll see how that works out. <laughs> Guys, I've been Ephemio Sanstiopoulos. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Thank you.